Welcome to MGO Podcast 14.12. This is the greatest week of the year. The year that Ohio State fans approach signs and cross out all but one M on them. They talked to Brett Bielema after the game, and what he said was, "Because that's what he says. That's he's he's Boomhauer. That's he's that's how he says. That's how he talks. Like like all that's all that's whenever he talks, that's all he says. I've just never seen the show." I mean, yeah, you've never seen. Kegel Sounds like you reading our sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> Slander. That was. <laughs> you might. All right, I think we're done. Is this the end of the podcast? Inaccurate. You slander. might have to. You might have to read the sponsors, and then that's it. I think we're going home. Hope you guys. Maybe listen to somebody else this week. I will turn this car around. I like Seth. To, I like to hang on a Van Oh, you! Oh, oh my, my gosh! gosh. <laughs> we wouldn't be here without Are, this. Show, uh, right. <laughs> Can you confirm that this is slander, please, Dave? I can't close my mouth. Oh my god! Let's hear it then. Uh, <laughs> fine, fine. I'll do the sponsors. You slanderous twig. Never been called a twig before, I'll tell you that. Well, you never slandered somebody <laughs> so badly that they lost any idea of what to say to things and people. Thank you to Underground Printing for making this all possible. UGP makes custom apparel such as T-shirts and sweatshirts and was founded by two Michigan alums over 20 years ago. They have three retail locations in Ann Arbor and offer thousands of University of Michigan athletic products for sale, ranging from clothing to accessories and memorabilia. Check them out at UGPMichiganApparel.com or check out their selection of shirts on the MGOblogstore.com. And let's not forget our associate sponsors, Peak Wealth Management, Homeshire Landing, Ann Arbor Elder Law, Michigan Law Grant, Human Element, the Phil Klein Insurance Group, Venue by 4M, where we are presently, and Ticket IQ. All right. Michigan 19, Illinois 17 in a bit of a heart stopper of a game. Seemed to be a theme on the weekend. Oh, yeah. And that is that was you come home from that game and you're like, oh, man, we're just it's not happening. And then Tennessee gets thunder kicked in the face or maybe they just don't have a defense and uh maybe joe milton is the greatest arm of all time ohio state's up three on maryland deep into the fourth quarter usc has a struggle with ucla even georgia only beats They're kentucky 16-6 like six nothing at halftime nine nothing right half-time. so it's just hangover saturday for the the contending teams and michigan was of course part of that and uh Blake Corum goes out late in the first half, with a, and and then uh, a fumble is sort of unilaterally declared in a way that felt 
incorrect. It was shot awful. It, it was a fumble. I don't think it was. I don't think it was clear. It was a fumble. I think it was like a on call the, stands kind of situation. On the replay, it looked. Kind of cool. I mean, it looked. It was close, but it didn't. I don't. I don't know. Like the ball's sort of still in his hands and his elbows down. It's like his, his elbow wasn't down. His elbow wasn't. Yeah, I, it, I looked at it like it ten was, times. It was pretty clearly a fumble. Yeah. I don't. The thing is, it's a little unclear what the rule is when they whistle it dead, because no, it's not. I mean, in the, in the NFL, if they whistle it dead, if there's it's an immediate dead. recovery, then they the, 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 the rule is yeah. If you think that was a fumble, then I guess that was properly applied. And then, of course, at the end of the game, you're like, boy, that would have been a nice three points, possibly seven points to have. And you don't have Blake Corum. You're rot- rotating through Stokes, Gash, and Dunlap. And it's just kind of. <laughs> you're just like trying to get it over the uh, trying to get that donkey over the finish line and eventually you beat that donkey enough that it's like uh fine and then did, did you specifically choose donkey because you're remembering brett bielema no brett bielema isn't a donkey he's boomhauer he kind of looks like a donkey no he doesn't look like a donkey he's far too round okay <laughs> donkeys are long it looks like a a fat mule warthog? <laughs> no. He, 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 he does kind of look he like a warthog. Like he's, he's a little round. He went to Arkansas and yeah. became more of a Razorback. Well, he's, I, there we go. Yeah. This is what happened. He looks like one of those exercise balls with a handle on it that you hopped up and down on. <laughs> Hippity hop? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, so I think it's kind of hard to like take a whole lot away from this game because Quorum has, what, 15 rushes for 108 yards. And they're probably game planning the idea that they will have Blake Corum. Mm-hmm. And then they do not have Blake Corum. And it's like, well, these guys are just kind of guys. And also Michigan isn't executing much of anything that well, particularly the quarterback run game. So, Well, they didn't really want to for a while. Well, there's a clear missed, missed keep mm-hmm. on an early play where the guy who uh, – is making the tackle is the unblocked defensive end who had clearly committed to the running back. That's a miskeep. When they do actually keep it on third and nine, they have it, but Bredesen misses a block. And Bell. And there was well, a, Bell no, didn't have an angle after yeah. everything got pushed wide. Okay. There was another one just like it, too, where um, it was Wilson who missed the block. Yep. Well, that wasn't Wilson's fault. That was J.J. McCarthy not setting up the block. Mm-hmm. So he just runs to the sideline, and it's just like, well, you can't do that you got to threaten the sideline and then cut behind wilson right and then he gets six seven eight yards instead of the one i think he got so <clears throat> and that was the one on like third and 14 where seven or eight is nice but it's not even, barely half of what that was needed. no the no that 14 was, was just a it was ba- him bailing okay okay that, that was I, I i'm guessing in a chart that is a bad read or throwaway because that's just like he, he didn't wait for things to develop. He just sees it and goes. And they got two guys dropping over a short route. And, like, why are we even running that route on third and 14? Well, that's a different question. Well, so it was just a a frustrating day from the perspective of uh, can we actually execute the quarterback run game, which you pretty much need to do to have an efficient, consistent day against a team like Illinois that is going to be plus one to the box pretty much every snap. Yeah, I mean, I thought the first drives weren't really that bad, and they just kind of broke down in Illinois territory because of one or two different things. And Because like, I remember leaving the stadium being like, oh my gosh, our offense, blah, blah, blah. And then I went back and rewatched it, and I think the second drive, like, he misses... I think the one pass goes off of Wilson's hands. It's a little behind him, but it's catchable. I, I don't even, like... I mean... 
There's been some debate on Twitter about whether that was a bad throw from McCarthy, and the answer is no. Yeah. I mean, it was. <laughs> it wasn't. It's, it wasn't perfect. If you're a quarterback coach, it's not a great throw. If you're a wide receiver coach, it's that needs to be caught. Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a three in my grading. So right, because he gets his body around, and then he misses Bredesen, and then there's like that was the, a miss, yeah. Anthony gets hit that looked like a DPI, but it wasn't, and so there's just some janky stuff. They run on like third and nine, like and and that's kind of a well, thing. That where, was that was the keep. Okay, where that has a pretty reasonable chance of success. Or at least putting you in a situation where you can go for it. So that's the situation where you're calling it because you're like, we're probably not getting nine, but we can get close enough to go for it. Well, if you're close enough to get in field goal range. Well, into the wind. If you do get a quarterback keep in that situation, like that usually has a different range of outcomes than just handing it to the running back, right? Yeah. So like getting eight, nine yards is more likely when your quarterback's kind of on the edge because... In that situation, you've already optioned someone off. You have a lead blocker. Like, if Bredesen gets that block, I think a first down is probable. Okay. Well, so. Illinois is playing with no edge in the first half. Right. And so they're playing with no edge in the first half. You have a guy like Blake Corum who might be able to exploit that, but then he goes out. You have a guy like Donovan Edwards who might be able to exploit that. He doesn't play at all. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of like, is Dunlap going to do that? No. Is Stokes going to do that? We haven't really seen it from him. Possible. Is Gash going to do that? No. Probably not. So what you need to do is you need to be able to hit those edges with something else. But A.J. Henning's out. Mm-hmm. Right. So whatever jet sweep edge stuff you have with him is, is no longer an option. And we're just not executing the quarterback run stuff. And this is one reason that I don't like it when Michigan just puts that away. And everybody's you mean like, to keep everybody safe, right? It's like, well, so we need JJ McCarthy to be healthy, and I'm like, okay, I I can see that point of view, but also he needs to be executing these plays on a weekly basis, not a lot, yeah, but some, yeah, because you get in a live fire rep, and it's a different situation than it is when you're just running it through in practice, right? So <clears throat> it's very frustrating from the perspective of just like, okay, what was our plan to go after these guys? Well, it wasn't a great plan, and the plan that we actually did have wasn't executed well. So right, and I mean a lot of credit to Illinois. I kind of went into this this game thinking that um, the SP plus defense standings had been uh, pretty much gamed by Big Ten West defenses <laughs> because there's only so much that SP plus can do. Yeah, in terms of like, okay, we've had we have these matchups with non-conference opponents most of them are you know beat downs of nobodies especially for those schools right and so how is it supposed to tell that this is the collection of the worst offenses in america (laughs) and not the best defenses in america well you have some crossover games and stuff but that defense reset the line of scrimmage on michigan more than any defense they've played this year by a a long shot yeah do you want to get into because i think Barnhart was getting abused more than the other guys. I don't there. think Barnhart was getting abused more. I mean, I saw Olu pick up a minus too. Yeah, like mm-hmm. that's. I mean, and there were there were guys coming from various places. It was very difficult for Michigan to fit it up, which was an interesting departure because um, most teams this year have just been so passive. Yeah, and this was more like the Indiana game. And then when you have a Blake Corum. He's going to hop outside, get a guy to come in outside, and then 
or the first play of the game. Well, yeah, so yeah. He, that's what he does. He he threatens outside. He gets a guy to commit, and then you don't have a free hitter, and he goes to the safety. So That was a safety he got to commit. Well, yeah, the other But that safety. was the point. They were putting five guys on the line. They were putting three guys behind right. them. And so you're already running into an eight-man box, and then they start bringing down the free safety to be the edge guy. And that's what I mean by that. We're not playing with an edge well, that's, until that guy starts rolling down. I mean, they did that a couple of times. Most of the time, he's in Nowheresville. But they're 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 running trap two, which is an Indiana thing where the quarters mm-hmm. activate on run action, that kind of thing. Um, and so it was just a very difficult situation to run the ball in, particularly when your star player goes out. And then McCarthy just had probably his worst day at Michigan. Mm. Like, he probably had his worst half because that's what I thought. And I went through the first half. And I actually thought his first half was fine. I didn't really see a whole lot. And then in the second half, it kind of spiraled. Well, so there's the Wilson drop. Yep. There's the Anthony drop on the play that six. should have been a offsides call. I don't know. That, that, guy's, was. that guy's foot was overlapping with the ball. <sighs> like I, that's, Did you rewatch it? Yeah. Yeah. I was, the I announcers was right are, on the edge. So the announcers are saying, like, oh, you can't trust the black line. The black line is actually behind the ball. So the ball is actually further forward. Okay. So his, so it is. It's a hundred percent offsides, and okay. just I mean, I don't really judge them based off of like the exact. I'm not going to expect them to get the exact line right. It's it's a feel, and when a guy jumps over the line like that and then hops back, that's offsides. Well, I mean, he has to cross the line of scrimmage, but yeah, but he, but he crosses the line of scrimmage. He's in the neutral zone. Yeah. Okay. And. The only thing of him that's in the neutral zone is his foot. So right. I guess it can, I can understand why that call didn't get made. I think Michigan's probably got to stop trying that because when it goes wrong, it goes very badly wrong. Because that's a, a pass that happened in last week's game because mm-hmm. they snapped the ball. It wasn't offsides and nobody had a snap count. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, Well, it's a call. that I mean, I don't think that they were trying to get them offsides necessarily. I think it, was, it happened and then they point and go, he, he's offsides. And then, then it activates the... The, the whole thing. I don't know. But, but so he has that. Regardless, that, but, I mean, he hits Anthony in the hands for a touchdown who doesn't get hit, isn't really bothered at all by two players. And that's sort of the thing of what we've been saying is, you know, maybe maybe we involve Andrew Anthony a little bit more. And then, I mean, that was a shot. And I, yeah, and that's part of the thing that like, OK, so I was kind of down on JJ when I got home. Alex came by later. and He's like, I actually thought he was fine. And I was like, OK, well, I'm going to have to look at that. And I looked at it, and the first half was like, I think he's right. Second half, things sort of spiraled out of control in the last few drives. He missed some stuff. But well, you gotta they also he didn't get he help missed. from Wilson. He didn't get help from um, Anthony on the one. No. He didn't get a couple blocks at times. And so, you know, Alex's point ended up being if he hits, if Gash makes the catch and runs in the end zone, Anthony makes the catch and goes in the end zone, we're sitting there being like, well, he missed some throws, but he also delivered some big plays. Yeah. I this is in, I, both things can be true, right? So, I mean, there were a couple times, and this just gets into like the kind of quarterback JJ is right now, where if he sees something that he thinks he can make, he throws it. Yeah. So there's the the throw he makes to Bell in between the zones, which is a good throw. Andre Anthony is just w- screamingly wide open on the stutter step. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And like you, you cannot expect him to get to that read because like his first read is open. That's what I'm. That's where I'm getting to. If his read's open, he's going to throw it. So he doesn't. That's what every quarterback does. Right. Right. So I'm. But and then there's also so there's another one where 
that when the, they're running mesh and Loveland doesn't get to the over route, and so they got two guys, two receivers kind of in the same spot. Yeah. And then you got Bredesen wide open on the – and that one I was more upset about because – I don't know if Michigan's reading mesh differently than every other team that's ever run mesh, but Bredesen should be the number two read. So you look at your running back first just to see if they're not covering him at all. And if as long as he's covered, then the next read is the guy who's getting rubbed. That's the whole point of the mesh is that like if that guy gets open, he's going to be open by a lot because his defend, his defender is stuck behind the, the mesh. So your second read should have been Bredesen there unless – like Michigan's teaching him, okay, look for the over route because you love your tight ends. Well, the other guy's a tight end, too. Wasn't it um, yeah. Bell and Loveland? Yeah, it was Bell and Loveland then, but the, oh, the throw he didn't yeah. make was yeah. Bredesen. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I, I don't know. I felt like between the decision-making on the zone read stuff and the missed run he had where it's like you got a yard here, but you should have had eight. That one I missed, and on the keep as – knowing what it was so when you bring that up that's another negative in the first part especially in a key play on the second drive where they're going places that could yeah. result in points and that sort of changes the feel of the first half too. right and then so there's the wilson play and then he does airmail bredesen on the next one it's right. just like well the idea here is that he's just spooky accurate on anything under 20 yards and that was not the case in this game there's a there's a play where Bell sits down and gets zone coverage. He throws it wide at Bell because he's expecting them to continue, which is incorrect because he's not reading the coverage right. And it just <clears throat> it really feels like even through the first, I don't know, even through the Penn State game, like he was just well above what you would expect a guy of his age to be. And it kind of feels like there's been some regression back down towards, well, we can't really rely on this guy in the way that we did earlier in the season. On the other hand, like this was a game in which Michigan – pretty much had to abandon the ground game and you know he was able to move Michigan down the field to convert those field goals like that pass interference on Weatherspoon uh, to on Bell, the Bell catch, on yeah. the final drive like that's a completion if mm -hmm. like that's that's right where it needs to be yep. so like yeah he misses Colson Loveland well he misses <laughs> he misses the read for Colson Loveland and then he misses the throw for Colson Loveland <clears throat> yeah i mean again like if the flat is your first option, and that's a catch and run, and it's probably a first down. It might be a touchdown, and especially if that's it's Isaiah Gash. Yeah, but like you, yeah. I know, like I know your whole know. your whole season has been like, okay, my running backs are Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, and go now, and now they're run not. Forrest, run. It's, but that I mean, <clears throat> once again, I don't know if Michigan's reading it differently, but. You know that's the that's the rollout play, and the ro you read the rollout play top to bottom. Well, you don't know that. I don't know that how Michigan's teaching it. In fact, you know that they're not reading it top to bottom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or, or I don't know what JJ saw, but like I, we don't know exactly how they're telling him what, what they're telling him to do. But they're I, telling him that the flat is the first option. I'm, why? Why are you not? I, everyone runs the flood. It's it's like one of the most common plays in football. Everyone rolls out their quarterback and runs a flood. I don't know why, but. It's clear that that's the first option. <laughs> Plus, like, if, if that's, like, Schoonmaker or all, or is that a bigger deal then? Because, like, I mean, I mean he's – Schoonmaker's Loveland been his... was his best target in this game. Correct. Yeah, that's true. Correct. He was. And my... In any other game, that guy running there is either Corum or Edwards. That's uh -huh. true And if well. you have that guy and knows ahead of the pack, then, yeah, take the stupidest, easiest throw that you have and, uh -huh. and watch your little fairy man go score a touchdown. Like <laughs> – 
Yeah. I I get what you're saying, and I don't disagree with that. I I thought at times, and this is getting into something else, but I thought at times Michigan stuck to their game plan without their players. And Yeah, I mean, that's hard. It is. You only have one game plan. I understand that, but when you're handing the ball off to a walk-on and you're losing in in the second half and in the fourth quarter and he's the guy getting the touches, or you're running the ball even on, like, second and five when you haven't really been able to run the ball consistently since Blake Corm went out. I mean, now we're far enough removed that, look, I didn't think McCarthy had his best game either, but is this, is this, I mean, if you're going to go down to Illinois, you're going to go down with your four string running back. Like I wasn't okay with that. It's, it's no, not I'm not change. If this no. is not, that is a program thing that Harbaugh got from Bo and he's never going to change. That is like a, a core program belief. Well, is the I next think, guy up. I think they did move away from their, Overall, run, 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 run. They approach. moved farther down the spectrum. They did when they're down but by six in the fourth quarter. They, they did, but even like the well. four, even the fourth and three or four that they converted on the rub route, which was probably OPI. They, uh, uh, uh. Huh? You don't think so? Well, so I think that it's a real difficult distinction because there's a yeah. there's a there's a pass to Loveland right after Michigan uh, gets the ball back on the fourth down the. Illinois didn't convert in the second half. Mm -hmm. So the first play after that is an out to Loveland. Mm -hmm. And what happens on that? Is it the exact same thing that happens on that fourth and four? Is that the cornerback engages with Colson Loveland. Mm -hmm. And Colson Loveland runs through him. And then Colson Loveland comes off the guy and he's open. Mm -hmm. Now, that happened 10 yards downfield instead of right at the line of scrimmage. But if the quarterback engages with you and you're just running through him, like, we saw that not be OPI, and I don't think anyone thinks that play was OPI. Okay. So why is it OPI on fourth and four? That's a fair point. Where I was originally going was, after I made that comment, was they put the entire season in Gash's hands. Because if you drop that pass, the game's over. And he just dropped the previous pass. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to drop every pass or that he can't make a play. Because clearly we've seen this year that he is a competent walk-on running back. But, again... Of all the guys on the team, this is where you're going. This is the play design. This is what you want to get when your perfect season is on the line. And I found that curious. Well, my only thought is that they must run a lot in practice. And in terms of receiving backs, he's the best one available. It's probably true. And so we don't have any on-field reps, but these guys have gone through spring practice and fall practice and all that And Gash has been on the team since 2014 or whatever. So they they probably were looking at their options and they're like, well, this is our best option. I know I just dropped the ball, but oh well. I I go back to program values, and this program has been pretty good, except for fumbles. You fumble, you're you're a dead man. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> but is it dro- is it dropped pass in that? No, they don't count that at all. No, it's uh, even it's in only been with fumbles. Even it's in that situation, with, in fu- it's, I think the rule is literally if you drop a fumble, you move down a spot in the depth chart. Just like that's the rule. <laughs> um, but everything Blake Corm is going to move down a spot on the depth. No, chart. no, no. Here's but, hoping. <laughs> but that but it's been a program value as long as Harbaugh's been here, and it's certainly a program value of previous iterations of Michigan that Harbaugh becomes the tradition that Harbaugh comes from that next man up and if a guy makes a mistake you put him back out there you give him another shot and he's going to make the play and it's I I agree with that way of running your program it's it's positive reinforcement as opposed to negative reinforcement and that's a, a program outlook that they've always had next man up make your plays and you get another shot I think you change who your best available receiving back is based on one play yeah okay like, if there's a problem, 
that's going on. But you know, if one guy drops a ball, but during fall practice, he was the guy who was the best option coming out of the backfield who wasn't Donovan Edwards or Blake Corum, then he's still that. Yeah. So that's fair. I, I was interested in what you guys thought about it. The other thing I wanted to get in really quick before it leaves my head is when we were talking about JJ, this was probably one of like you mentioned that it was a very aggressive defense. He was under pressure a lot. And so some of these throws are going to be a lot different than a lot of the throws that you were referencing him making in the first half of the season because yeah, there I mean, he, he could set his feet. Here he's throwing off his back foot. Yeah, I mean, there's one to Loveland where it's just like he's just getting rid of it and dumping it. I don't, I don't really necessarily count that against him. Right. I thought there was actually three or four like that, that well, they're, they're, they're more or less throwaways. Yeah, I mean, but... Do you want him to just be a game manager, or do you want him to evolve past that? So there's one where he gets, you know, immediate pressure up the gut. It's a blitz. Michigan doesn't pick up successfully. He's able to roll out, and then he's got a he's got a minute. Well, he's got a second. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a second. His head's around. He's got a receiver, and the guy who's covering him has left. Yeah, he's coming up on JJ, and JJ decides to run it instead of flip flip it. Loveland. And you're just like, well, that that was a missed opportunity. On the other hand, he did do that earlier to Roman Wilson, and then Zinter got hit with an absolute garbage holding call. Yeah, and that's see, that's another thing we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast is like the these drives break down for like like that. That yeah. I mean, otherwise they're in scoring range. We, I mean, we sh- I sh- we should be clear about that. That if that's a hold, then you can't play football because. If you look at the momentum of the defensive lineman, it is barely affected by anything's interest. Because he after. lets go. Because he lets yeah. go. Yeah. He's holding on for like until he realizes that he, the pressure is there. And like it's like textbook, this is not a hold. And they, they drop it on him. And I'm just like. And, his, his art, and he's inside. How many times are Illinois' linemen, the second they come no, off the line, no. just put them on the shoulders. And they. If a guy's hands are inside, that has always been a factor in the Big Ten. They let you do what you want to do inside. Right, you can get a chest plate as long as you let in go. The rule book. <laughs> well, not, so. I mean, the rule book says you can't grab the chest plate though, and guys do it all the time. Oh. Yeah, but usually you're right, Seth. Where if you're inside of the shoulders, then yeah. okay, fine. And as soon as the guy gets outside of you, you've got to let go. Yeah. And most of the time, it happens. In this case, it happened. Now maybe it was like a tenth of a second too late but it was really close and it was a very kind of i thought garbage call because look at how many penalties are called in the game like eight maybe total this was not a a hitty grabby game i mean i thought some there were a couple dpis that were missed um against michigan receivers they were close but you know they were there a little bit early and they were letting them play okay fine that's the tone of the game then this play happens, and you're like, oh, come on. Like, this isn't in keeping with everything else. No, it isn't. And there were a couple other incidents where I'm just like, if if the Zinter thing's a hold, this has got to be a hold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was getting mad about it, but then I'm like, no, <laughs> the Zinter thing's not a hold, so that's so not a hold either. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yeah it was just, uh, just a boggling call, honestly. You see it on replay, and of course, it's unbelievable. Like, whenever there's a call, it's like, oh, yeah, that's a good call. And whenever there's mm-hmm. no call, it's like, oh, yeah. That's a no good no call. <laughs> yeah. like, come on. Uh, they, 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 that team has always been that way. They're well, just, it's just. Yeah. Well, Did you think uh, the CJ catch at the end of the game was a catch? No. Yeah, it clearly was not a catch. I, I didn't no, so no, it's, but somehow it's in his it elbows. I mean, it's this. I mean, it's just, it's the the catch stuff is the strangest thing. Yeah. Like the, your job is to keep it off the ground. 
Did he keep it off the ground? No, not a catch. Yeah. Even by the weird-ass rules they're playing with now, that wasn't even close. Because the, the ground clearly helps him bring the ball in because he's, he's not even in his arms. He's, like, kind of trapped between his forearms. I, maybe this goes in the next section, but, like, you know, did we care? Like, it's almost better that, like, the five yards, I don't know if it's going to make that much of a difference for Moody on the kick. And I think that's a game theory, but because I have some yeah. thoughts on that. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that right. later. Um, but... Yeah, so the yeah, there was a lot of officiating strangeness in this game both ways, and it was like... Had we seen a defensive line that does what we do in terms of bringing in three nose tackles and having two stand-up ends and basically having five defensive linemen I mean, before? Nebraska did it. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but no, <laughs> they, they didn't really bring any 300-pounders. These had, yeah. had three 300-pounders. I mean... Uh, I think there's a clear reason why this is such a good run defense, right? They have three really good uh, three, four defensive linemen, and they play the whole game with one extra in the box. Mm-hmm. And they've survived the whole year playing that way because they have Witherspoon as an elite cornerback. Like, I'm completely sold on that guy. Like, he's he's amazing. Well, they also are missing, like, three but, And that's yeah. the other thing is that, you know, Michigan's still throwing at Ronnie Bell when they're down to, like, Wario at the other cornerback. So, <laughs> I, I was. I mean, just, first read. That's. I mean, that, that was the but argument. Like, but like, that's that's you gotta. Yeah. You gotta change your your game up here so that because that's the guy who follows Ronnie Bell around, and you know you gotta have some more confidence in your other guys. Although I guess it is kind of hard because they just have not been playing well. Well, you know what, Roman Wilson did get one of the other guys moving. They got Roman Wilson across. This is late on that third down uh, yep. or fourth down. That was the first fourth down they the converted. The first fourth down they converted where, I mean, that was exactly what you, we were asking for. It's him versus one of the moot cornerbacks. Oh, yeah. And, and a they, man beater. Yeah, yeah and, and it's a man beater, and it's just speed speed on speed. And, you know, you get the conversion, cause he, and he's wide open. So he can That's a nice catch, ahead. too, because, I mean, that's yeah. away from his body on a on a play you have to have. Yep, throwing it upfield, and it's really I that moment was like one of the coldest moments of the day too oh, like I remember a breeze coming through right then and I was like I don't want to die right now because this <sighs> is the worst but yeah. I mean is overall frustrating day don't know how much of this is actually applicable to Ohio State so that's the next question that I had after the previous thing that I asked about Illinois defense is that something that Ohio State can do are they going to be that aggressive I don't think they can because yeah. if they could they would have done it in the Northwestern game? game? Northwestern game. Yeah. Like, we know what Michigan's line looks like against most teams. We know what Penn State did to Ohio Mm -hmm. State's line. We know what Northwestern did to Ohio State's line. I think it's likely that Illinois really is the best run defense in in the conference, give or take Michigan. Uh, And I don't think that Ohio State has the horses to, to do that. I just, if they had the horses, we wouldn't be seeing results from their games like we're seeing. Like, even Ryan Hemby against the, in mm-hmm. Maryland, like, he was able to... At times. I don't know about what his numbers No, finished, I don't think he was going to be super efficient, but we're talking about Maryland. Who's a passing... <laughs> yeah. yeah. If, offense, you, yeah. if you want to play that way, that's... that's. I mean, that's the Don Brown style. They, bo- they stack the box and they play man. How do you destroy that? You get your receivers beating their cornerbacks. You just have to you have to match up and ma- and play man. Crossers, crossers, crossers. Yeah. crossers Try yeah. not to crossers. say that. Wait, we, really we've hard. Caught, we know <laughs> exactly what to do in this situation. Well, uh, and then yeah. and then the the pivot routes Michigan's been running, one of which was going to be a nice catch and run for Bell. Mm-hmm. 
but McCarthy misses it. And this level of play for McCarthy isn't going to do it next, next no, weekend. I don't think it, there's any question about that. He's got to play over his... Well, so we were talking about this a little bit yesterday afternoon and evening where, you know, last year, Cade McNamara obviously plays quarterback and is not great throughout the year. He's fine at times, has good games, makes some throws, wins some games, but overall wasn't didn't set this high level of standard for this is the excellence of Michigan quarterbacking aside from making plays when you need to and winning games. But look at the Ohio State game. He has a really good Ohio State game. And he plays his biggest on the biggest stage. And that's just what it takes in these games. Like, you don't just get to walk into Columbus and win unless you play really well. Right. And and I don't want to put too much on this performance because, I mean, we talked about it. It's hangover Saturday. Yeah. And we're in a situation where, you know, your top two running backs are out. It's ridiculously cold. Like, it's a situation where... They're also down Keegan. I mean, that's something we haven't even mentioned yet. I mean, El Hadi's probably fine, but Keegan was a mauler. And you kind of talked about him earlier in the year of him and Zinner being guards. When you pair him with Olu and the inside of your old line, you can do so many things. Yeah, and I think this was a defense that actually could make it count, unlike Nebraska last week. So, mm-hmm. like... Well, I'll be interested to see how the grading comes out for him in particular, just because uh, if he is grading out reasonably well, then giddy up. But I don't know if that's going to happen. Do, um, do you think that any of these guys that we referenced that are gone, I'm not talking about Quorum because that's a ton of speculation, but these guys that have been missing multiple games or pl- parts of multiple games are probably back. And these are maybe not precautionary, but like we're not risking it. That I think that there's an element of that to this whole game where they just don't respect the opponent. And this is something that happens annually with Harbaugh, like last year's Rutgers game. Like Mm -hmm. all of the games this year, other than maybe like some of the Penn State Well, not respecting Michigan State is the play, but not respecting... Or Nebraska. (laughs) But But this was not a 30-point spread, right? Right. This was a... 17 point spread this is this is a seven and three team yeah that, this is a very losable game and they were in losable situations and like, well before they started it's it's really weird to see guys warming up and look completely fine and then sit out because mm-hmm. that's what schoonmaker was doing he was running routes mm-hmm. he was he looked like he was ready to go and then it's just like nope we're gonna hold this guy out and is, and is it you know you probably have a little more experience than this than i do but when you're in that situation you can't just bring him in whenever like when you pull that plug but is that like a i mean is that you can i know it's like legal but like is that if it was the ohio state game football would maker have played yes no i mean like once you get into a rough situation in the second quarter or third quarter are you like all right jackets off you're in yeah i oh man i i i think you have to be on the football sideline and know the particulars of the injury and stuff like that it's yeah. freezing out like I, mean, I think there are a lot more factors that but do you we see that in football a, I, where they're it just does, it does happen where guys yeah. will be like, oh wait we didn't think we we're gonna need you all right get up yeah usually with skill players you see it like you know okay let's bring in this let's bring in the dude i mean 97 michigan would bring woodson in when they're in trouble because they would get in these right. games all That's the time different. but he was playing a game. right but like he they would go hurt. into the game and be like okay we're not really going to use okay, Woodson but he was receiver hurt. versus iowa is a thing so that's no. that's sort of what i'm saying is yeah where you run a guy through warm-ups and then you're like all right good glad you're doing well go in your little house i mean like both keegan and uh edwards were on the sideline street clothes nothing lower body like they street were, clothes yeah they were, so those clothes. were they were in street clothes so they were okay so they couldn't even come no, in but you said schoonmaker 
theoretically went through Armis and could have. Yeah. yeah. Trent A. Jones could have come in. Well, he did. He was on field goal block. Yeah. So he's... I, I don't know if he's... So now I think we have that question answered. Yeah, I think so. Because he was outside of, of, of Barnhart on, mm-hmm. on the moody, long, moody field goal. So, yeah. I, I think that Michigan has just kind of gone through the back half of the season saying everything's on Ohio State, and that almost got them a loss here, but it didn't. Yeah. And now, hopefully, they will get to benefit from that monomaniacal approach. Because, <laughs> like, I, I, I bet you $1 that if last week they were playing Ohio State, that Keegan plays, that Edwards plays, that Quorum does not come out, even if something's bothering him. Because, I mean, he, he grabs his knee. He come, there's no structural issues. Mm-hmm. He's got, you know, a pretty bad bruise on that knee, I imagine. But that's not holding you out of the Ohio State game. Came back in and, like, ran the ball once and powered a guy. And then the next play, I think he picked up a blitz. Yeah. And then we didn't see him. Because he's not feeling right? Okay. That's, I, that's I mean, a real so weird So he's scenario. cleared to play. I mean, he's cleared to play. Duh. I, this game, if you lose this game, everything's still in front of you. You beat Ohio State, you can you're still in the playoffs. Yes. And if you, I mean, it's, play to win the game. Yeah, but I mean, it's Michigan, Ohio State, and even if it wasn't eleven and zero, it'd be Michigan and Ohio State. And I don't know. That feels a little bit too much like Michigan State to me. I don't care. Well, that's, that's I think that, that we've been us. put a little bit in that category in the last ten or fifteen years because of the way things have happened, and I understand that. If you if Michigan wins in sixteen and eighteen or seventeen and Harbaugh's three and four, then it's back to this sort of like, well, we won one, they won one, blah 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 blah. But it's not, and so there's a bit of an obsession with being able to win that game again. Go down it's to just, Columbus, and Ryan Day okay, is just, got a just, career just, negative just, against just, Michigan. Just, they just. You know, I just think that's like. <laughs> sort of where we're at, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is what it is. This was an unfortunate scenario that they were able to pull out, and uh, they move on. Survive in advance. All right, we're going to take a break, come back, talk about the defense. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, trying to collect sizes and payments for a family union, or, you know, ordering a whole bunch of shirts with your Kickstarter, Underground Printing is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with their easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing people down to pay, wasting time trying to sort out the order. They'll set it up. You can just sit back and relax. They'll even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit them at any of their convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. 
Hey, it's Nick Hopwood, founder and president at Peak Wealth Management. We have a lot in common. We both went to Michigan. We're both huge fans, but I'm concerned about how much time you're spending on Michigan football recruiting. This could be time spent with me pouring over your cash flow and Roth conversion strategy. How are these Roth conversions going to get done with you spending all your time and energy on MGO blog looking at the next five-star recruits? Hey, all kidding aside, if you're addicted to MGO blog and you want to outsource some of your financial planning to an expert, consider us, peakwm.com slash blog. At Peak, we work with people in a variety of situations. Some of our clients are young professionals looking to optimize their savings and investments. For young people, time is the key. Some of our clients are super affluent trying to figure out when they can retire. Some are high net worth retirees looking for a second opinion on how their money's working for them. Get your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. This is Matt Demrest, the owner of HomeShare Lending. We're a local mortgage company here to help you purchase with confidence and refinance with ease. People don't get mortgages very often, so it can be confusing. We'll break down every single line item so that it all makes sense. And at the end of the day, if we're not giving you the best deal, we'll tell you to go with the other company. We're here to offer our simple mortgage guidance. This is Seth Fisher from MGO Blog. Over the years, we've sent dozens of readers to use HomeShare Lending, and every review that's come back has been raving. I myself used them to refinance after doing our original loan through our bank. I was amazed how much smoother the process was for our company. Loan. Brian used them, you should use them too. Finding out whether it makes sense or not to refinance or getting pre-approved to buy a new home is easy. Head over to homesurelending.com, that's H-O-M-E-S-U-R-E, lending.com, slash mgoblog to find out more. Or call us at 734-531-9950. That's 734-531-9950. I've got two of my favorite people here with me, kind of an annual tradition, Cooper and Colby. Cooper, how old are you? 11. Colby, how about you? Nine. Can I get a Go Blue? Go Blue! NMLS number 1161358, Equal Housing Lender. Are you men or are you fantasy? Lighting my darkness since you left. I had all of love revealed to me Now there's only theft I walk these halls like a prisoner As per usual, this was recorded at Venue. I'm here on the opening day of the World Cup. There are TVs with Qatari players on them getting absolutely smoked by ecuador and there's a bunch of people here it's a fun environment it's a good vibe come out during the day have some drinks that's what we do during the world cup is we drink during the day all right similarly to the illinois defensive line this is the first offensive line all season that was able to do anything against michigan's defensive tackles and they were they were giving uh Jenkins and Mozzie the business on these duo runs and Chase Brown just downshifts like I, I've been talking about like have some hesitation I don't know if I've seen a running back who's just like gonna sit there just full stop yeah, like in the backfield like, get, get a get an umbrella and a Mai Tai and just see how the blocking develops uh, but it, it really works for them I was extremely impressed with their ability to maintain those blocks get movement and then find a second guy. And uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that they're on the come up in that division and Wisconsin is on the way down. 
because uh, there can only be one Wisconsin, and now it's Illinois. Yeah, I, 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 there were three Illinois fans that were sitting a couple seats down from me that were very loud when things were going well for them. And at one point, I think I probably did it out of frustration, and I hate to do that, but everybody does those things at times. And I went down to him and I said, how did you guys not beat Purdue and Michigan State? Like, this looks like a super viable, well-run offense. Your quarterback's playing well. You're moving the best defensive line in the – not the country in, – in, in the conference, on the road, in, in a game like this. And I was just like, tell me. And he's like, I have no idea. I'm just surprised we're in this game. Oh, the, the, Illinois, <laughs> Is that what he said? the Illinois fans sitting behind me had an answer. Refs. Well, <laughs> they, they, well, were, the, they, they were conspiracy. I mean, they outgained Michigan yeah. State by 150 yards. Yeah. That I'm, was a complete fluke that that – Kinda. Well, they had a bunch of fourth. And they had a bunch of fourth downs that didn't convert, which that's been a problem for Illinois this year. And Devito was up and down in that game, but still, like it was, it was just like. But even the Purdue game, yeah. they had another chance. Purdue, the Purdue game, they because I, I went and watched that one a couple days ago, and Purdue, the Purdue game, they sat in cover two, like they they went away from what they do. But they were down to you know Wario's backup uh-huh. at cornerback in that game, right? Yeah. So we're going to the we're going into this. Uh, pre- podcast for on Friday, and Alex is just like, yeah, I don't know anything about this guy because he has 25 college snaps, and those 25 college snaps came in the second half against Purdue. <laughs> so how are you supposed to run a Don Brown defense when you have the number, uh, I think, 1,327 composite true freshmen as one of your cornerbacks? I, I don't know. If Michigan had thrown at that guy more, we would have... Well, he didn't play in this game. Okay. So, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> but he, he played yeah. the back half of the Purdue game. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they they got one of their guys back. For, they got their third string right. cornerback yeah. back instead of their fourth string. Anyway. In any case. Roman Wilson was still whipping that guy. So they were they were able to, to get to Michigan's linebackers, and finally someone was able to exploit the fact that they're light and fast and don't really bring the oomph when they contact a lineman downfield, which is fine. Like, if we're going to build a defense to beat Ohio State, this is one of the costs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is Ohio State going to be pulling their their tackles at guard? Like, I mean, that's not. I mean, they might be practicing it this week after seeing how effective it was. But, but like, clearly, yeah. what you're going to do if you're going to build a defense to beat Ohio State is you're going to have Barrett and Colson as your guys, and not like neck roll. Yeah. <laughs> like Jacoby Windman can't be your Brian your linebacker. Cox. Yeah. Who is so, their guy again with no gloves? They're so excited. Oh, Cal Halliday. Yeah. <laughs> like those guys can't be your linebackers if you're going to have a no. prayer against Ohio State. No. So trade off there, one that was made, fine. Um, <clears throat> and then when kind of push came to shove, like third and short, fourth and short, Michigan was able to slant under a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Mason Graham. Mason Graham. Came to play. He made a couple of individual effort plays and that were. I continue to emphasize that this is a true freshman and i can't i can't even begin to tell anybody how unusual this is i mean you know who else made a really nice play in a big time is kenneth grant got off a block got outside and started moving and brought a guy down yeah so that's two yeah but i think it's clear which one of those two was god's gift of football well what wasn't the reference like that like the body that doesn't Grant matter, had, but if, he could move. If Grant was God's gift to football, it's now Mason Graham. <laughs> yes, Mason Graham. Is but maybe we have two of them. Is we're what I'm moving, saying. We're moving the How? distinction to Mason Graham. What if we open the box and there was not one toy but two? Maybe this is a box I don't need to open now. But what do you consider a plus four? Because I've never handed out a plus four in UFR. <laughs> uh, it doesn't exist. Okay. 
No, I've minus seen fours exist. Minus fours, but <laughs> oh, wait. only for Stevie Brown and Cutting Wait, coverage. there was a plus four. Yeah, it was the Khalid Hill. Khalid, Khalid Hill. Hill, the Khalid Hill the double block Hill against Colorado. Yeah, because it's two Colorado. plus twos. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. All right, math. All right, so if <laughs> it, Mason, does, it doesn't happen on defense, I, no, no, no. But if I, theoretically, if Mason Graham were to destroy <laughs> a double and then get in the backfield and then blow up a, a polar and then <laughs> run down the quarterback in the backfield and then force a fumble, yeah, <laughs> fine. <laughs> Mason Graham, you have your mission. Go. Next week. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's incredible, but the, the downside is Michigan got close to no pressure in this game. Uh, that's being nice. And they also didn't Mike Morris. That's true. Which was it, which both in the run game and the pass game was a humongous deal. Yeah, I mean, that is a big deal. But, you know, earlier in the year, it's like, oh, maybe these guys can do it. Maybe Yabioki is going to be the dude. Not this year. No. Maybe next year. He's coming back. Yeah. yeah Who we announced on what, Instagram post game? Yeah. But, but I, I want to get into the Morris thing because we, we talked a lot about the, the one side of the block where, you know, they're getting their, their guys pulled around. The linebackers aren't getting to their gaps. The other side of that block is the kickout. And the kickouts against Morris all year. We've seen Michigan make kickout blocks a gazillion times. When Morris does that, that guy gets shoved right back into the running back. He does it consistently. And when it's Jalen Harrell or uh, even – Upshaw doesn't have like the oomph that he that Morris brings, and now that side is open. Now that side is it's it's hard. What Morris does is not easy, but Michigan has been able to play knowing he is going to have that, and I think that was a big part of the their issues this time because that was open and there was just more room to get around. And a couple, including the touchdown, the second touchdown by Chase Brown. There's room to get out the side there that shouldn't have been because Barrett gets up into his guy. He's at the line of scrimmage. Now he doesn't get to the right side of his he block. He has a funnel. Yeah. But, like, e- even so, that area, that space was never open against Morris. Never. Well, that explains quite a bit. Well, it's all, but it's also not great when your depth chart at defensive end is one pretty good guy and then. Well, it's. This that was is a season this preview. Is, this that is, was a season preview, and but I'm just saying, like there was like the, there was a, some annoying takes midseason about how we were so wrong about uh-huh. about the, the situation at defensive and, end, and we were like, we want to be wrong, please, <laughs> like, please let us be wrong, but, but this, we weren't. This is the Puto Jabo on this defense category, where he is Ugh. a guy that like is on that defensive line, and he has another year, and I think they weren't expecting him to be gone. So now what happens is you're missing a guy there. Well, I mean, and this now is the difference between the program like Michigan and a program like Ohio State or Alabama. That's just been getting in replacements for everyone every year. Right. Yeah. So Michigan doesn't have that luxury in terms of, like, their recruiting hit rate. Right. And I think that when you, you know, this isn't a podcast about next year, but when you look at it, there's a lot of options for guys that have chances to make jumps next year. So... They're on schedule in that sense if you don't have this explosion from Ojabo last year. Yeah, whoever is this year's Mike Dana should definitely be looking at Michigan's grad programs right now. Well, I mean, we were talking about that TCU guy with 12 and a half sacks last year who transferred to Nebraska. Oh, no. Who's done nothing. Yeah. Oh, he's an, I, don't, I don't understand how you have 12 and a half sacks in the Big 12. And you come to the Big Ten and you're a nobody. It's just bizarre. I, uh, well, defensive it's, coordinators probably. It's too much for me to get into, but the way Nebraska plays defense, they can't use them. It's kind of an Uche situation. Well, yeah. We still so should have gotten that right, guy. Right, right. Misfit. Yeah. Yeah. We should have gotten that guy. 
Uh, I mean, for right now, though, they're still Harold and Upshaw, your guys, when Morris isn't in. And that means... Oki's not there. You kind of there are a couple of times where he made mistakes where you kind of see why. Well, they had Braden McGregor out there at, at the first. first play of the game. Yeah, and McGregor still made mistakes too. Like he was getting, edged yeah, he's a getting bit. washed. Yeah. yeah, they got him later in the game and he got edged. Yeah, and and then you got Morris or sorry Moore, uh, Derek Moore, who made a great play. One, if we're yeah. talking about single plays, he played the edge or he played the keep. And then squeeze down on the give on a play yeah. that was, I mean. Yeah, when he, when he was getting blocked, it didn't go as well. Well, yeah. okay. true freshman. This I mean, yeah, but you're 11 games in. You're not a true freshman. Yes, you are. Because <laughs> everybody did. else is also 11 games in. I hate that. St- you're still a true freshman. No, the, the 11 games country. for a true freshman makes such a big difference. No, it's, I mean, no. He's a true freshman. Yeah, I, I that's, that's he's not going to replace guys right now. But like that was that's like that was the dude I was hoping. That's, you some, could get that's something out of. that you, a coach can say. Ah, but like yeah, well. coaches are like they have yeah. different incentives in a press conference than people who like telling things that are truthful. Okay, say. okay. You're but, but the more play was like a good data point for hey, look, you can do this. the The truth to that statement is that is that there's a sharper learning curve. For a true freshman, he's he's way further along than you know a fifth year guy who's been out there for a whole bunch. I mean, he's he should have come along further than Oki at this point. I just expect him to be more useful than he was, you know, in the first couple of weeks. Uh, but like, there's your an- there there's your possible answers. We've got, been through every single one of them, and none of those guys are passing Upshaw and Harrell, who are limited players, but do the things they're asked to do, even though. You know, Upshaw is not a oh, good pass rusher. He got, he got a, a rush up the gut, and I was like, oh, Upshaw did it. Yeah. And then on replay, it's like the guard didn't have a snap count. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was nice to think that. I was going to yeah. like, I was going to note that, and then I was like, well, I'm not sure that counts. No. Yeah. No. And then, and then Harold just gets stuck on guys because he's not big. He's linebacker sized. Well, I mean, it is what it is. And I think we kind of knew what was going to happen going in, and I, uh, it's a distressing situation because we're probably not going to get a whole lot of organic pressure against C.J. Stroud, and that's so a problem. They they should, in theory, have Morris back? I they mean, will have Morris back. Okay. So then... They will not... Everybody who was out in this game yeah. will be back. Okay. So... <laughs> I guarantee it. So then, do you think they blitz more? Yeah, they have to. Okay. They're going to they're gonna fire zone a lot and hope that... It hits. C.J. Stroud makes some mistakes and that guys get through. So that means probably a little more soft coverage? I don't know. I mean, it depends. I think they got to mix it up. Because they, they definitely had some soft coverage. Yeah, they today. did. I mean, there was there was an out against Green. Green, like, where what? he's playing in the parking lot. Like, what's yeah. going on? When you needed to stop. Right. Yeah. And, and like, There's another one on Johnson I- just like it. Yeah, yeah. and you're, you're not playing Isaiah Williams, right? You're playing those big outside guys who are high pointers also you're green your issue is not can i turn and run with this guy yeah mm-hmm. I, I yeah i didn't understand that very much but it was clear that their coverages in some regards it, were it damaged them in the run game too because there would be times and like again this goes back to having morris when you have a guy like morris and last year when they had hutchinson that guy was going to blow in the edge so bad you did not need your nickel to really be an edge protector and there was one run particularly i remember where samer still is getting rpo'd and you don't, so you don't have him really coming to help you on the edge. And your edge, I think, is McGregor at that point. And he 
gets washed. Well, I mean, they're sitting too deep most of this game. And they're, they're sitting too deep. If you have a, a safety coming down, you can get at, you can have Samer still just go with the RPO and you have another guy to help you on that edge. Yeah, I was a little confused by the sort of passive approach here. Yeah. Where it's like, I mean, they're, they're putting guys in the box, right? And mm-hmm. they're trying to stuff Michigan's ground game. And, like, are you really that concerned about Tommy DeVito throwing a fade to one of these outside guys? I don't think so. No, he he had one fade where uh, he, Turner got beat to the corner of the end zone, and he just puts it right over his head. Hit yeah, two. Turner got beat in the end zone twice. Well, the other one was uh, debatable. Mm-hmm. Well, like, he, he was behind him. The, the Yeah, but the deep ball was, if that's catchable and it's not a D.O., he's still got to play because he had the makeup speed. Mm. Okay. Mm. So that that looked a little worse than it was because it had to be perfect um, <clears throat> to not get a contest. It doesn't have to be perfect to be complete. But uh, Were you yeah. a little confused in one of Illinois' scoring drives in the second half when they brought in Mullings and Rolder on yes. the same? Yes. <laughs> I was very confused. <laughs> on the same play. And they were in for, what, two or three plays, and they take and them out? And I was like, they're, they're not all... resting Barrett and Colson, are they? Well, what is and, this? And on the last drive, uh, Colson was pulled. Well, they had Mullings in there on the last drive. No, and Mullings actually played well in that those those three plays. But Colson got pulled, and Colson had Colson. It was weird. He made some big plays. Yes, and he also made some big mistakes. Well, yes, Khalil Mullings is your biggest linebacker. Is your biggest? Yeah, he's he's he's, he's their thumper. Well, I mean, he's if you have one. Your, I don't think of him as a big linebacker. He's a running back, right? But he's, he's saying that linebacker. like if you. Yeah. If you line them all he's up, he's like a he's solid here. 240, and he has athleticism. He can mm-hmm. accelerate in short spaces. He just does. so if you give him a responsibility, this is your gap, and that is like, <laughs> yeah. this is your gap. Yeah. Run at it as hard as possible. Yeah, he can do that. Yeah, and on that drive, that's what you need. And honestly, that's you mean the last drive, last drive, not the middle. No, no, the the, that drive. that was very confusing to yeah. me. But I do understand putting him in when you know that. They're going to be running the that ball, is, and that's what he was recruited for. To be honest, that was Don Brown's the way. That the, the reason he would get guys like that is like you. That gap, you see some any run action, accelerate, and you can stay back because you're fast and you're running back. They're not really side to side guys. They're not readers. That was Don Brown linebacking right there. Also, Rolder. Yeah, he's he's been coming in sporadically. Mm-hmm. Right. This seemed like um, maybe not. It seemed like they had, they had a plan where it's like, all right, we'll get you guys in for some snaps in the second half. Mm-hmm. And they did not anticipate being down in the second half, and then they did it anyway. For like three, and then they're like, all right, in the middle of a drive. It was tied, not in, it was tied 10 to 10 in the third quarter. It, maybe it was 10 quarter, to 10. Yeah. Okay. And it, was, it, it felt a little weird. It also felt like that was right after some linebacker mistakes for the, the starters, and maybe they wanted to like – maybe the idea was to get Barrett ah. off for a couple snaps, and then Colson had to get pulled to like have a little talk. And ah, I, I, I don't that, – that, That's I, one of those things you have to explain if you're on the sideline. I can't really come up with a yeah. – yeah. It just – I noticed 20 and 30 running on, and I'm like, am I reading this right? I was like, what is – what is – is this a dime? Oh, my God. What's going on? <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah, uh, there there was a play in there where like the uh, where Michigan got twelve men on the field. Where I think that yeah. Illinois snuck a guy on the field, uh, uh, snuck a lineman on the field, and they the refs did not like let Michigan change. Dude, did you see there was a uh, what game was that? It was the UCLA USC game where they get a guy, they run a guy, they run a guy on late mm-hmm. for the field goal unit, and so they they pause for a bit, and then they let the play go. And he makes he makes a forty six yard field goal, and then the ref is like, "My bad, I didn't give the field goal team long enough to substitute, so we're gonna do it over." And I was like, 
And then you yeah. mean the team that made the field goal? The the, the defense didn't have enough time to substitute oh. after okay. the guy got run okay. on. And I was like, if they miss this field goal, it's going to be a total shit show. And yeah, they made it, so nobody cares. Okay, but I care, Dave. It's all right. You can care. Yeah, I actually, I, I, I kind of mini charted that that drive, that one, the disaster drive. I called it because it was yeah. like we're cover two, and the linebacker, wrong linebacker's out. But it starts with um, Bear going on the wrong side of his gap on a uh, on a stretch, and Mozzie got held, and they probably should have called that hold. If they're yeah. going to call any hold on Illinois, that was the one they should have called. But it was still like Barrett didn't get to his spot, so I think. The, the the starters might have gotten pulled in that like after that moment and they're like okay they're running stretch here's what we do um, and then it was actually live I thought it was Mullings who made the um, who was stepping back when they're uh, jetting Williams where they had like that jet play I don't know if you're remember. out to the sideline yeah yeah he was late getting out there yeah and and Moten is just sitting cover too high even when there's a jet coming across his side which like even in cover two. You got a guy coming down. That's your dude, and that's the the only thing they can do is either you know run him to the sideline or run him at you. And you're supposed to step down. He steps back three steps before he comes down. And I was like, that it's I mean these the issues with Moten are still kind of cropping up, even though he's he's not been terrible and the safeties have not been a major part of the game. But well, they went yeah. after Moore too a little bit, right? Like that was the the one play where the. They fake the bubble, and Saner still comes flying up Yeah, they up got the more on that. Well, they they ran that about four times, uh-huh. and they got him for what should have been a chunk play on the first one, and then it was covered pretty well the rest of the time, except for they got a completion uh, over Saner still on a really well-thrown ball, but the coverage right. was good. Right, so. but then, I mean— Moore also missed a couple of tackles. I thought he had a, an angle or two that were... He well, did, was... but he was doing them productively. Like, by the yeah. time the, the tackle was missed, okay. Junior Colson's arriving, right. and they're getting the guy down. So he's slowing him down yeah, and yeah. allowing people... There okay. were a couple of sort of frustrating plays where it's like, is this going to be a 70-yard tackle for loss? And they ground out two yards. Uh-huh. But... <clears throat> I, I mean... Those are just plays I think against Ohio State you you have to make like there you can't was, you can't yeah. be there and not and I mean you're talking about you got to play your best game at for JJ and all that stuff well guys on defense got to make tackles too I mean I know you're asking him to be NFL players but that's an NFL game next week I mean that's what it is there there was one where the uh, Illinois I thought we were going to have a big TFL and then the guy actually managed to get two yards out of it by like Page that was Page yeah that, yeah and that was. Page missing the tackle, and then actually Mason Graham just like was overran it a little yeah. bit as he was coming in. Yeah. But you know, you're a 300 pound tackle; it's it's hard to stop. Yeah, I'm not running back in space. A defensive tackle is different, but yeah. you know, Page. That's what you're recruited for is being yeah. able to tackle and being able to run. Yeah, but I mean, he's been out. This is his first game back in a while, and I, it, one mistake is not going to make or break a player. Uh, you know, it's. I, I think Page had a, an otherwise pretty good game. He was rotating fairly evenly with Moten, though. So okay. I'm not sure he was 100 percent back. So are, are your tack or your safeties of choice Moore and Page? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's what I'm thinking too. I mean, how much do you think Will Johnson gets? Like, is like, are you? He's getting full time <sighs> with with Green now. He's, uh, I don't know. But next week is that's different, man. I mean, like he got he got lost on the reverse. He came way in and crashed inside the quarterback. I, mean, I think what'll happen is that they'll test Green on those fades because you know he had some successes earlier in the season, and then he had some issues with Keon Coleman. And so, if they are able to hit those, then I think you might see Will Johnson come in because I don't know if Michigan 
is allowed to play split safeties in this game. Like, I just don't know if they're going to be able to do it. I, I wouldn't think so, unless you're going to get some sort of pass rush. Now, if they just have the pass rush game of their lives next week, then I, maybe. I, yeah, I just don't think but you can. I think you got to go single high and, and get after Stroud and then see what happens because uh, you can't just let him sit back and survey. You, so how, if you're doing single high, though, man, like Will Johnson's put some guys in the sideline this yeah, year. Yeah, I know, but he's also been really inconsistent. Yeah. So, like, I don't think you're going to bench your senior for a freshman who's uh, no. not – clearly better than your senior. No, they're going to rotate them. So you think it'll be I think, nimo, uh, normal or what we've perceived as normal throughout the last few games? Yeah, and it might be matchups. I mean, Marvin Harrison's getting Turner. Go. That's going to have to... That's that's not what they do. No. Yeah. They don't. They have a guy on the side and a guy on the side. They have a boundary. Yeah. No, it's just side. It's just left and right, really. Is it really? Yeah. yeah. Do you think that makes sense? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> they, I, I mean, feel, it feels like there's so many different theories pretty, as to how to do this. Are is pretty like, similar. So, mm-hmm. like, just in terms of, like, can they run? Yeah. Do they have issues when it comes time to contested catch land? Yes. They're about the same size. So the simplest thing you can do is just have one on the right and one on the left. Turner's and, not the same size as the other guys. Yeah, it's basically the same. By the way, Turner maybe play the game. Mm. That tack on fourth down? Yeah, where he gets rolled up as he has to play safety and, like, he well, comes down and, like, I'm like... I mean, he's he's in his zone. He's got Tommy DeVito coming to him. It's like, you want to go to the NFL, you better make this tackle, bro. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. It was such a good no, play. It that, was a good play. That, that's it's the play where, play where Taylor... Uh, I mean, Upshaw, Upshaw gets, the, gets the, free rush. the free rush. Because yeah. I don't think that was the plan, is Tommy DeVito's going to bail to the no, right and try to win the race. Good. And all of a sudden, the left guard doesn't get off. Left guard, uh-huh. well, the left guard's like, what happened? Oh, <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> I guess he should have started by now. <laughs> he doesn't have the ball anymore. He's my center. I should probably, oops. Yeah, and then yeah, he tackles DeVito. But, yeah. like, come on, man. I know. No, it was just a feels moment. It was a very good feels moment there. Is there anything else from the play or from these guys that is relevant to next week that you have sitting, or this is our last data point, and you're like, well, this means this? Um, I guess we're going to see if Ohio State can come close to replicating what Illinois was able to do on the interior. I don't think so, given the way that they've played most of this season. Also, did wasn't their running back yesterday like their third or fourth string running back too? Ohio State? Yeah. Yes, they were down to a true freshman at running back as well. So, And and people are going nuts for him, but I think he was not touched on most of his yeah, runs. Yeah, it was, it was it's like a whatever. I mean, it's still Maryland's defense. It is still Maryland's defense. Well, the, the, this, we'll say that for the Jamie segment. Rooting for Maryland is like an experience. <laughs> it's not as bad as rooting for Northwestern. <laughs> and on that well, note... No, well, I, you know what you're getting with Northwestern. <laughs> it's still... A, a, abomination against God and man. Okay. We're going to take a break, come back, talk some special teams, and we got some game theory. Ooh. At Peak Wealth, we believe we can help you retire with confidence. It's Nick Hopwood, certified financial planner from Peak Wealth Management in Plymouth. I graduated from Michigan in 2001 with an econ degree and founded Peak Wealth Management in 2014. Now we have over $240 million of assets under management. As a freshman in 97, winning the national championship in football and hockey didn't get any better than that. Both my wife and I lived in Bursley that year, and it's crazy because we never actually met while living in the same dorm, probably because she had a car and I had to ride the bus. But we named our dog 
Bursley anyway, and he's on the payroll here at Peak Wealth Management. At Peak, we're fee-based. We're your fiduciary, which means everything we recommend is always in your best interest. We partner with leading institutional money managers, focus on low fees, and make sure every client has a financial plan covering retirement, college, tax, estate, insurance, and cash flow. Simply put, we are Peak Wealth Management, your comprehensive financial coach. Book your second opinion at peakwm.com slash mgoblog. Peak Wealth Management. Retire with confidence. In southeastern Michigan, the yearly cost for a nursing home averages approximately 100000 It doesn't have to, though. Reed McCarthy founded Ann Arbor Elder Law after handling a tricky situation for his own family. Years of experience later, his boutique firm works with clients across southeast Michigan dealing with Medicaid planning, long-term care, and tax, disability, and family law, not to mention family dynamics. If you have a family member who may need that level of care, or if you're ready to start your own estate plan, Reed can give you a plan for the future. Visit AnnArborElderLaw.com or call 734-945-9693. That's 734-945-9693. If you want to see where our post-game podcast happens, or if you need a spot to land in Ann Arbor, check out 4M, Prentice Partners' beautiful brand-new flagship property at 830 Henry Street in Lower Burns Park and across the bridge from the big house. Their 11 spacious six-bedroom, six-bath suites feature state-of-the-art digital capabilities and are laid out for comfortable, efficient collaboration. You can also rent a 4M unit for shorter stays, say if you want to come to town for a football weekend. I want to add myself that they're also taking over Lucky's. We're really excited about their plans for that space. So if you're by the stadium, swing by 830 Henry or visit Prentice4M.com. It's painless. It's online. It's group ordering made easy for your next custom-printed apparel order. Pogo from Underground Printing will save you time and hassle. Whether you're selling shirts for a fundraiser, organizing a large event, or trying to collect sizes and payment for a family reunion, UGP is here to help. Save time and hassle every step of the way with our easy-to-use site. No more guessing what to order, chasing down people to pay, or wasting time trying to sort out the order. We'll set it up and you can just sit back and relax. We can even take care of individual shipping. To learn more about Pogo, visit us at any of our convenient locations or at pogo.undergroundshirts.com. Passion for e-commerce. Sell stuff online. Security. Performance. Conversion. Beautiful user experiences. Bella experience. Utilizador. Monthly marketing. PPC SEO. Make your user a customer. Art Perfume for online retailers. Love your website. Let Human Element show you how. Available at human-element.com and find department stores, not find department stores. Gonna be like the fourth quarter in the horseshoe, and it's 
tied or like two points, and it's like it's gonna be a fucking cauldron of emotion. It takes better that high and just you need to rip your fucking hearts out of your chest and just put it on the line. That's gonna be your hottest take. Every position should have Jay Harbaugh for one year. Okay. Ooh. And and, we, and this high. week we should have him on the wide receivers because like Ooh, that's the hot take. <laughs> uh, let's narrow it down. I mean, Bellamy like does a good job. I don't want to knock Bellamy, and he, but he, no. he's he's a pretty good coach out there. But but Jay Harbaugh's just got the special sauce, man. I mean, every they just put him back on tight ends for a year, and what does he do? He goes out and gets Colston Loveland out of Idaho. So. Yeah. Best I, best player in Idaho. Best yeah. player in Idaho, yeah, as and, mentioned on the broadcast. Yeah, I, I just want to know who is right now, second. Huh? <laughs> who is the second best player, best in, player Idaho. in Idaho? <laughs> oh, that guy, Kenyon Sadiq. <laughs> who knows? Uh, I'm looking this up. <laughs> oh, you're looking it up right now. Where, so. where did the second best player in Idaho go? Utah. Okay, that's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. I mean, they've been holding uh, the state of Idaho produces talent because they've been holding up Boise State for years. Yeah. Well, in any yes. case, yeah. continue on, Seth. No, I was just everywhere you put Jay Harbaugh, he recruits well. The team, the they play well. I mean, what did he do at running back? He like stuffed them. He put Hassan Haskins on that team, Corum Edwards. Yep. And you know, then they move him over tight. He was when he was at tight end before he had. You know, just a, a amazing run. So they got him at safety now, but like they got tons of safety recruits. So give them the receivers this week, and then figure out where you need him. But wherever Jake but goes, he's, but let me state, he's not good enough to be a head coach anywhere. He's not good enough to leave the team and become a head coach somewhere else. No, no. Got to put that out in the universe. Yeah, <laughs> Randy, give me your hottest take. Illinois' power source is its 29-year-old punter. (laughs) Terrible, though. (laughs) I know, but they somehow derived so much power from the fact that their punter was older than Chase Brown's mom. I just feel like we need like a 29. I know that Robbins looks like he's an old-timey strong man, and he looks like maybe he's 35 years old, but maybe we need a 29-year-old punter on our team, and then we can play over our heads next week and win that game and sail into the playoffs. All right. Jason, give me your hottest take. Blake Corum's decision to run out of bounds inexplicably made this game horrible. (laughs) We forgot to talk about that entirely. Yeah. Yeah. He's done that a lot. He's trying to protect. I was like, wait, 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 wait. I'm like, you, you, what are you doing? If he just would have run into the end zone, his knee probably would have even been in the game at that other point. His knee would have been fine. It would have been up by two touchdowns. I was like, what are you doing? I love him. And I think he deserves the Heisman. But at that moment, I was like, literally, why are you not taking it to the house? That was was like Heisman. That was a Heisman moment. It would have been a, what, a 96-yarder? It, it was very yes. strange because he got, like, a little bit of pressure from the last man, and he's like, whoops, got to go out now. I was like, what? what's going on here? There's not there. Did he, did he go out in the screen, that, like, 47-yard screen pass, too? I felt yes, like he might yes. have. That's, so, that's, that's, that's that's the, the one. play, yeah. That's the play we're talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, so it would have been felt... JJ's stats, too. I mean, it would have been everybody right. wins. That changes. So, do you yeah. think he felt something on his knee at that moment? Do you think that's when no. he tweaked it? No, because no. you no. can you can see him like take a helmet directly to the knee right before he he goes down. Yeah. Just, 
people. I just think it was a brain fart. And maybe in, in practice, they were telling people, like, if it's close, just go out of bounds because it's the week before the game. Right, right. So, I, like, I think that he, he was probably told, like, you know, if the choice between three yards more and getting out of bounds in this game is get out of bounds. But not when it's 47 yards more. And also, yeah, like, right. you're not even going to take a hard hit. He's going to try to ankle tackle you. That was that was weird. Yeah. Weird. I was, yeah. Maybe he was told he was only playing half the game. So he's like, okay, I got half the yards. The other <laughs> half of the field is yours, guys. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm not sure about that. I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Michigan is going to win the game because of two freshmen, Colston Loveland and Mason Graham. I mean... Is that 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 is that that hot of a take? Mason Graham is, is a man child. Well, they're going to win against Ohio State because of those two guys. Like, yes, they're going to make, I think they're that's make the play. Hundred percent believable I mean, and fair. I think there will be one or two plays by Mason Graham up the middle. Either he will get to Stroud or he will tackle a running back on a fourth and two and tackle with a backfield. I mean, he now has two moves. He's got a swim move and he's you know, he's a wrestler. He's like throwing. I mean, he he might he might he's in the backfield. Yeah, he might tackle him so far behind the line that it'll be impossible to cheat the spot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, oh! You gotta go two yards back for that. Oh, oh! I I need to understand. I need to understand the take here, though. Are we saying that Mason Graham and Colson Loveland are going to be like the MVPs uh, on their respective teams, or is it like no, 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 no? It's just like you know, there's going to be like a a seam pass to Colson Loveland on a on a critical third down. Yeah, like Mason Graham is going to like turn in like a third down stop that's just like amazing. I mean, both these guys are yeah, not hot. I I can't remember. I can't yeah, remember yeah. it. Jason Graham could give you the Josh Ross stop from last year. By the way, Kenneth and Kenneth, Grant, Kenneth Grant yesterday made a couple of unbelievable plays, and that dude wasn't even around for spring. I mean, I think about how Mason Graham developed, you know, had several more months to develop, but I'm excited about both those guys moving forward. Yeah, me too. I And uh, the time seems to be now for both of them because they're being relied on in important moments in this game. Uh, and yeah. I don't think it's yeah. going to change at all against Ohio State. So if you can't get enough scholars, hit up their Patreon, check out their podcast view from the cheap seats or the nosebleeds, their, sh- their show on UFC Fight Pass. All right. So we brought this up earlier in the podcast. Michigan has the ball at the 22 at the end of the game. We'll start with this one. Yeah. Okay. So that's a 39 yard field goal. And they are not content with that. They're like, we need some more yards. They pick up five more yards. Turns out completely unnecessary. Because Jake Moody. But I kind of felt like that was the right move. I don't want to settle for a 39 field So which one? The the throw to Cornelius just, Johnson? Just trying to get more yards. That was, no, no, not, was not fine after more the yards. Johnson catch. The the play that resulted in the CJ catch? Just no, well, So they have a first and 10, and they, yes. have, they have some options. Yes. They can run it once and spike the ball and set up for a game winner. So they're at the 22. And they throw three straight times. They get one completion to Cornelius Johnson. On second down. And then... That they review. Right, and that gives Michigan an extra play, Mm because they were going to spike it. Yeah. Well, they... Yeah. I mean, that's the debate of what you do. Well... Well, yeah, 20 seconds left. You should not be spiking it. Yeah, and you should not be spiking it at 20... If you're going to spike it, 
get it down to like and not that, having that sort of left. <laughs> that was my argument is like they're up at the line and they're going to spike it. And then you feel this nervous energy in the crowd. I mean, like, well, what are we doing? You know, like you because you can't run or you can't run it. Uh-huh. Can't run it. You can't really run a play because if anything goes wrong, you lose. No, you have the right rec- the requisite amount of time. Not if not if you like fumble the snap or you fall over, then you're then you're fire drill field goaling and you're TCU yeah. or you're Drew Dilio. Yeah, yeah, but that's not what we want. <laughs> that doesn't happen very often. If the game though. isn't tied. No, if you, you can't. Make... Yeah, but you should not be making decisions based off of like, okay, there's a one percent chance this is going to happen. But in this situation, you do make a decision off of that because what's your upside to running another play? That's true. Yeah. I mean, what you you gain four yards for the Lou Groza Award winner? It was windy. It's going with the wind. <laughs> Very visual podcast. I just disgusted. Anyway, Dave. okay. So, so you think? I, I think running up to the line before the before they decided to review it. I think running up to the line, waiting until there was one second or you know five five seconds, seconds left or four seconds left, and, and spiking and spiking it. it was the play. That's what I think too. Sure. <laughs> no, I think you have something different. No, I mean this is the game theory segment. Yes. You're supposed to have a take, not I, just I, a sure. I, like, well, <laughs> hey, let's listen to the MGO podcast to see what they think about this. And, sure. And the one person everyone really tunes in for is like, yeah, all right, guys, sure. Yeah, yeah. What? Just I was boom hollering over there. <laughs> I was. I was. <laughs> want to read the sponsors I was again? Validating your takes. <laughs> I think. I think at that point it's just so marginal that it's like. I mean, it's not. It's one of those decisions that people will talk about infinitely if something happens, but mm-hmm. doesn't really make to, a huge difference. To so, me, the only upside of that is if you try to score a touchdown, because yeah. then you don't have to kick the field goal. But at some point, you have to kick and execute the field goal. And is do we really feel like there's a big difference for Jake Moody if he's kicking from the 15 than from you know the 25? And I don't. I didn't feel that way. Yeah. Because yeah. at that point you're like, please get a good snap and hold, and I'm then we're fine. And it was windy, but he's going with the wind. It, it's, it wasn't yeah, like it, it was a tornado. You're, you're probably right. So, um, but I do like the fact that when they got to the 22, they weren't immediately in like let's shut it down and get the field goal kicker out mode. Right, and I'm really glad they didn't just like run the ball and then like everybody scurry around and then and you then had spike to do it. it. Yeah, no, I thought that was I thought that was the right move. Um, Although that the JJ throw that did get technically completed to Cornelius was kind of like, do we really want to do that in this situation? <laughs> and so the it would, see when you say that it wasn't it earlier that we didn't even bring this up, but the crazy play that he pulled off where he fumbles the snap, picks oh, it yeah. up, rolls, and there is a very 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 small argument that his knee was down. Yeah. I mean, his hand is sort of on the ball. Does he have possession? I don't know, but it's that's a question. Like, well. Again, I always do this with replay. You got to watch it in real time, not in slow motion, because real time tells you what is it, it, the physics that happen in the game happen in real time. You're right. All right. So if you take a snapshot, it doesn't really tell you any, whether he's got the ball or not. Right. Um, I think what he did was put his hand on the ball, stood up, and then that grabbed and it, and then picked it up. Yeah. All right. Which I don't know when you officially establish possession, but if. Putting one hand on the ball on a fumble, and that's what it was at that time, is a fumble. Putting one hand on the ball establishes possession. Then anybody who's ever been on replay holding the football for a second before a pileup on a fumble has possession of the ball. He didn't make a football move. Possession had not been established. There you go. Yeah. Now, once he picked the ball up, he... I almost used the ball to stand up, but yeah, like once he has picked the ball up, that's that's one of those things where like unless the rule is weird, that seems like a it was fine. Like you picked the ball up. Special teams. Um, 
So I just want to say that this was the second straight week. No, wait, not the second we, straight week. We should discuss one other thing. This is maybe special teams, but do you kick the field goal, the second field goal? Yes. You were completely fine with that. It's fourth and 11. It's fourth. Was and it fourth and 11? It was fourth and 11. It's fourth and 11. Okay. You got 320 basically on the clock. You got three timeouts. And so basically what you're saying is we're probably not going to score a touchdown on any of our drives or plays. No, what I'm saying is that the field goal is pretty helpful. Because if you get a stop, you can just kick a field goal. Right, which is what happened. And then you win the game. Okay. Instead of – Craig was on – they should not have team. They should have Instead of it and, needing a touchdown. Okay. So, yeah. I – at like the time, in, re- in real time, were at, you like, what his, are we doing? And it's 4th and 11. In real time, I was thinking if I was playing Madden, I probably would have gone for it because <laughs> I wouldn't trust my team to, to get the stop. And like you're putting everything on. Can my team get a stop on three plays? Because they get a first down, it's over. Can my team move the ball down the field? They get a if first they down, you get the over. ball back with a minute left. Okay, and then the question is, do you need? can you get the touchdown versus the field goal? And which is more likely? Now, me playing Madden, I'm an aggressive idiot, and I might not actually make the right call. But it's 4th so, and 11. This isn't like 4th and 6, yeah, right? Yeah, and it's, and it's right after two touchdown opportunities that you just missed. I think, thinking rationally, if I had a board, and I think what happens is Jim Harbaugh has the, the sheet that tells him what to do. What to do. Yeah. I think that it was a much more defensible position than my Madden brain thought it was at the time. Now, they're... The argument is what's more likely, that you convert a uh, – the, the difference is can you convert from field goal to touchdown? And is it's that not, as hard it's not, as – It's not complicated. Getting a stop Your and getting the ball back. Your chances of converting a fourth and 11 are like 20% maybe. What are, you, what are your chances of getting a three and out or four and out against Illinois? Uh, given the, the previous two or three quarters. Hell of a lot higher than 20%. You think so? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's yeah. all – I mean that answers the question then. It was it was quite a relief when Illinois got a, a holding call, which was a very obvious holding so call. There, so that so that it was br- going to be fourth and one. And that brings up the next game theory standpoint, which is, do you take the holding call? And I think the answer yes. is yes. yes. If you're Illinois and Michigan doesn't, do you go for it? Yes. Yes. And I correct Given, me if I'm wrong on the, the the time rule, but like if it's not inside one minute, the time does continue rolling after they take the holding call. So they got an extra 10, 20 seconds off the clock for that. Because the time starts again on the holding but call. But is, isn't, it, isn't it due to the previous play with the, whether the clock was stopped or not? Because the previous play was a, t- a Michigan timeout. So in this situation, if you're replaying third down, which is what the original play was after the Michigan timeout, wouldn't, the clock yeah, wouldn't the clock run. Didn't run. Oh, I thought the clock ran anyway, though. No, they, oh. they actually... I think they paused it and put time back on. Yeah, and I think they should have because Michigan called a timeout previous to the yeah. But yeah, it's, last it's, play. It's fourth and one, and Michigan only needs a field goal, right? So if you punt, you could be in trouble, especially because you're punting into the wind. That punt went might go four yards, which it mm-hmm. barely got over the fifty, right? Yep. And because mm-hmm. Michigan started at what the forty-eight, I think forty-seven. Yeah, yeah, they started at the forty-eight. Not to mention you Ronnie got Bell returned. Chase the last Brown, one. you got. You've been really doing pretty well against Michigan's interior offensive line. Now, they made some plays on short yardage. But, like, if you're telling me I got one play to win and I need one yard versus they got a field goal kicker like Jake Moody and they need a field goal to win, it's a clear go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I agree. I was really glad 
Well, when he started running and getting close, I was like, oh, God, they're going to go for this. Mm-hmm. And then you mm-hmm. see and then you see the flag and you're like, we got to accept this. Well, I, I, that was my initial reaction. I mean, because I saw the hold live and I'm like, please call that freaking hold. If you don't call that hold, I'm going to die. So that one like, was a hold. It was yeah. the previous Very hold. Much a hold. Alex <laughs> and I were talking about this afterwards. The previous hold on the long run for Illinois earlier was oh, the, phantom. Yeah. yeah. The, the one on their their left guard yeah. uh-huh. on like... I think it was Jenkins or something. It was a defensive tackle. It was, yeah, that was, yeah. That it was, was a hideously bad call. Yeah, that was one of the ones where, like, the guy goes down, so they think he got So I tackled. guess they offset yeah. the two hideously bad holding calls. Yeah, because they got a big chunk on that, and I think they end up having to punt. So it was fair as to what happened to, on mm-hmm. this interplay. But on this one, it was a big deal to get that holding call. Yeah. Yeah, that one, that one was legit. I and think that's it for Game 3 so special teams. So... I go into this game and I'm looking at the punting stats. I'm like, wow, this is the worst punter in the league by a large margin for Illinois. And then his first punt, he just sits there. Nobody rushes him. And then he's like, all right, laser. It's a 64-yard punt that lands at the three. And I'm like, I'm going to kill somebody. With the win. <sighs> but but it, it goes right, I mean, right over Ronnie Bell's head. And it's like, what? Yeah. And, and he hit like that line drive and he, I was like afraid that he was going to, and he just didn't do it the rest of the game. He's like, I'm mm-hmm. going to pop these right. bad boys up. And that's why the punt at the end, you know, barely goes 30 yards. Well, punting to into the South end zone or even kicking was a nightmare. I mean, Moody, I mean, <laughs> I would tell you that that field goal that he made, which would have been his second field goal, I think the one that made it 10. Yeah. When Michigan got their 10th point was phenomenal because if you watch any of the other punts or kickoffs that went down in that direction for the whole game, mm-hmm. you see the ball take a normal trajectory and then hit a wall and fall yeah. down. Mm-hmm. And people in my section was like, what's wrong with Brad Robbins? And I'm like, it's November. <laughs> it's, it's the wit Now, yeah, I mean, somebody had a really bad punt that went the other direction, but I think no, he, Robbins did. Robbins had one going towards the north yeah. end where well, and he then, just well, he missed had, it. The, the Illinois guy had a 20-yard shank, shank too. Yeah. yeah. Well, but that's what Brian is saying. Yeah, is more and then expected. He, he actually did get a pretty good shot on the one that Ronnie Bell returned. Um, well, that, that one was staying up in the air for a lot longer. Than I thought it was going. I thought like the coverage was going to get there, and all of a sudden Ronnie Bell's like, "Nope, nope." That nope. was um, zoop zoom, and then breaks a tackle. Like that was a that was a senior moment, wasn't it? Yeah, because that that in a that lot of ways was very important because that Michigan's offense was not really performing mm-hmm. and. Puts them in a situation where they complete one pass to Colston Level and they're in field goal range. Turned out to be highly relevant. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. I mean, wins. I, we're going to see what the win does in the Ohio State game because it's been kind of a major factor in a lot of. Well, I looked the other day and there was like some snow in the forecast in Columbus. Now, that was a little ways out, but. It did say flurries and on Saturday. So, well, we'll see. If, I mean, if the passing games are destroyed by snow, then I think it will we'll not. It's not. So, <laughs> I mean, so that depends on what level Corum is at, right? Like you, you assume he's probably Corum going will to play. be shot up Oof. with every tranquilizer known to man. Hopefully, his not knee, a tranquilizer, but he, a, he will not be able to feel his a knee for a month after this game. Well, good because we might need him to win a few. <laughs> so, so we're gonna go in a shell again against uh, is it Purdue? I guess we're the Big what? Ten West champion. Who's who's gonna win the Big Ten West now? Uh, Iowa. Iowa. No, I don't care. We saw what happened against Iowa. Well, no, it's just, a, just 
for football in general. So, I love so, college football. All right. and I mean, I don't know if this is game theory or special teams, but my Iowa take has come full circle in the sense that I was really excited for teams like Purdue, Minnesota, Illinois to finally break through and make the Big Ten championship game because Wisconsin is not very good and Iowa is, well, we've seen them. And in this year, of all years, if you cannot take advantage of it, now it's on you. And you know what? <laughs> Iowa deserves to go because you Ugh. all dropped the ball. Uh, this, this feels like you're doing your hot take already. No, I have a better hot take. Okay. You already did the hot take. You forget this is the, the, the segment of the podcast. Is I, I forgot that time works a certain direction after editing in a certain different direction while recording. You're correct. Yeah. All right. Let's take a break and uh, talk to Jamie. So I have like insurance and stuff, but I don't really like know what's going on with it. Yeah, you- it, your your coverage probably sucks, and you're paying way too much for it. And I know this because I had a guy. Uh, he's a uh, name's Phil Klein. He's actually a Michigan alum and wrestled for Michigan. He okay. looked at my insurance and he was like, "Yeah, your coverage sucks, and you're paying a lot more than you need to for it." I also like I, I hesitate to even mention this, but I do have my insurance from a company that advertises during college football games. Well, I wish that was not the case. Well, why don't you just get it from a cool guy who actually like reads them go blog? Well, how would I do that? <laughs> they have a website. They have one of those too. It's philkleininsurance.com. Can you remember the name Phil Klein? Sure. Can you remember insurance? Yes. Okay. Use those two together and you will save money on your insurance and you will actually get better coverage on your home and your auto and they do life too. All right. So you're telling me if I Google Phil Klein insurance, this, this website will come up. Yes. Wonders never cease. One and two and... If you find yourself on the wrong side of the law, you want a Michigan man in the huddle. Call a criminal law attorney and former prosecutor Jonathan Paul at 248-924-9458 or visit his website at michiganlawgrad.com. John is a proud graduate of the University of Michigan Ross School of Business and Michigan Law School. He looks forward to showing you the Michigan difference. Want the perfect game day outfit? Underground Printing has unique, great-fitting U of M apparel and officially licensed apparel from legendary Michigan names like Woodson, Howard, Eufer, and more. UGP also specializes in custom printed apparel and promotional items for groups, events, and businesses. Whether you need one shirt as a gift or 1,000 shirts for a charity walk, Underground can customize almost anything for groups large or small. To learn more, visit Underground Printing in one of our three convenient locations around Ann Arbor or online at undergroundshirts.com. The only thing we can be sure of about the future is that it will be absolutely fantastic. I'm thinking of the incredible breakthrough made possible by developments in communications. Arthur C. Clarke's 1964 vision is now reality with SignalWire, a cloud platform that enables developers to build the applications that will reshape the future of communications. These things will make possible a world in which we can be in instant contact with each other wherever we may be. You can add cutting-edge, real-time video and audio to any product, website, or application with APIs and SDKs for developers of all skill sets. SignalWire is optimized for high quality and low latency communication functionality, for video, voice, and text messaging capabilities. Almost any skill could be made independent of distance. Men will no longer commute. They will communicate. See for yourself at SignalWire.com. Use code 2021 and receive $25 in developer credit. Go to SignalWire.com. SignalWire Communications OGs. Original geeks of programmable communication. Just blaze. Oh, baby. 
Oh, baby. All the girls see them. Look at his kicks. Look at his car. All I say is, look, mommy, I'm no good. I'm so hood. Clap at your soldier. Sober. Then leave after sober. Killer. I'm not your companion. Or your man standing. Don't hit me when you want to get rammed in. I be scrambling. With lots of mobsters. Shot for lobsters. Cops and robbers. Listen, every block is blocked. Block she like the way I diddy bop, you peep that Make one Maury kicks, plus Chanel ski hat She want the, so I give her the Now she screaming out, uh, kill her Yeah, she playing with herself, can't dig it out Lift her up, ma, it's just a f*** Yo, get it out, pick one up They want the boy, Montana with guns with bandits Alright, Brian, there's one game yeah, There's what, only one game on Ticket IQ that I care about. What's the get-in price for Armageddon 2? $365, which is kind of tempting. That's, that's for one seat. That's like not anywhere near as bad as I expected it to no, be. No, they were like $500 a few days ago. I think what's happened is that people are starting to put their tickets on if they need to get rid of them or if they were planning on selling them. And in, as time ticks down, this is a commodity, not a stock. So Ohio State fans are losing faith. And they're they're fleeing in droves. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. But I think that the I think you can wait a little bit uh, till the uh, till later in the week and shoot your shot. Getting two together is going to be tough. But if you go on Ticket IQ, uh, it's going to be a lot of the Michigan fans who's like you know, friend can't go. Buddy can't go. I got two, and I'm looking for someone else to yeah. come. So, and when you get a price on Ticket IQ, it's that price. That's the is, price. They're not, and the fees are going to be enormous. On there's this no one, so. convenience fee. There's no Ticketmaster fee. There's no. We can do this because we're a monopoly fee. There's no. Uh, you are a jerk, and I hate your face. Fee. No, there's a fee because they need to operate a business, right. and then the rest of it is the money is going to the person who put the ticket on for All right. sale. So hit up Ticket IQ before this weekend, because Ohio State fans are fee- fleeing in droves. We welcome in Jamie Mack of JustCoverBlog.com. How you doing, Jamie? I'm doing well, guys. We probably had our most exciting weekend of the year in the Big Ten, right? Out of the seven games, you could probably make a case that five of the winners should have lost. Yeah, we will start with Ohio State 43, Maryland uh, 30, because you may be aware that there is a fairly large game going on next weekend. Maryland actually outgains Ohio State by one yard. Mm-hmm. And I have a statistical confluence uh-huh. that is kind of remarkable. Three of the last four games, Ohio State has been outgained by their opposition. Hmm. So not so much the Indiana game, but Penn That's State outgained them by, by about 30 yards. Uh, Northwestern pipped them by two. <laughs> and uh, North- <laughs> and Maryland, Say that again just for the people in the back. <laughs> Northwestern pipped them by two. <laughs> And uh, and then uh, Maryland got them by exactly one yard, uh, which is not <laughs> well. Not the, unencouraging. Does that count or not count the the last play where Maryland threw the ball, like threw an interception to like oh, make the it to, counts, to get yeah. the cover? But so this okay. is this is thirty three to thirty with Maryland having the ball with six minutes left. They they lead at halftime thirteen ten, and they go three and out. Uh, Ohio State basically runs a four-minute drill to kill most of the rest of the time. They kick a field goal, and then in desperation time, Maryland gets a defensive touchdown on their face. So this goes from a 36-30 final to a 43-30 final. And while in the Maryland game that Michigan played, uh, Maryland got sort of the late touchdown that made things look better. 
In so. this game, it's Ohio State that has the touchdown that changed the score. And now we've got yeah. the Maryland game. We've got the Penn State game. We have a lot of common opponents in which Michigan outperformed yeah. Ohio State. Yeah. I, I mean, I yeah. might not say the, the Iowa game is very difficult to tell because Iowa was just very determined to lose that game in very stupid fashion. So yeah. I'm not saying that this is going to be a win. No, you're saying. But I'm saying. You're saying. There's a chance. He's saying. This is saying, everybody. So a little bit more said, beyond can you turn the total up? yardage figures in those games that you referenced. Uh, offensive success rate against Penn State was 47 to 43 in favor of Ohio State. That's basically a standoff. Yesterday against Maryland, the Terps actually won the success rate battle 46 to 42%. Uh, Penn State gained 69% of their available yards against Ohio State. Maryland gained 64%. Yes, I'm ignoring the Iowa and Northwestern games because – the, the final box scores aren't very reflective of, of some of the of those two games. Iowa's success rate, for example, was only 24%, but their offense is completely dysfunctional. Northwestern, after playing three quarters of an even game with Ohio State, ended up losing the success rate 43 to 34%. But, you know, go back when we talked about that game a few weeks ago, Northwestern had no offense in the fourth quarter in, in that rainstorm. So, yeah, we, we've seen a couple opponents play Ohio State to a statistical standoff. You know, and and if they don't get a block punt to start the second half yesterday, you know, this game might have been even more interesting. Yeah, so Ohio State is down to third string running back uh Dallas Hayden mm-hmm. after Travion Henderson tries to go, gets uh nineteen yards on eleven carries. Hayden actually uh blew Maryland up pretty well, one forty six twenty seven. Long of 18, so this was a consistent gashing more akin to Blake Corum against Nebraska than any sort of long play. But uh, he wasn't really touched on those runs. Yeah, it's really hard to tell, like, how much of that was actually Hayden and how much of that was just, like, Ohio State being better than Maryland in that phase of the game. Yeah, I mean, Maryland's got Maryland's got a couple nice pieces on the defensive line, but they certainly don't have the depth that a, that a Michigan has. So as you get going into the third and the fourth quarter, and, and and Hayden is just ripping off all these runs, yeah, it was hard for Maryland to stop. Yeah, he was a big difference maker. I mean, I you know, one thought I had is that you know maybe Ohio State's struggling running attack the last few weeks is because they've been trying to go with guys you know with with gimpy ankles and, and gimpy gimpy legs. You know they. They throw a healthy guy in there for a half, and look what happens. They only had one successful run yesterday in the first half, Ohio State. Um, but uh, all of Hayden's damage is done in the second half, and he averaged 0.25 EPA per rush. So he was a big difference maker. Yeah. Um, Stroud goes 18 of 30 for 241 and a touchdown, which is a relatively muted day for him. Actually mm-hmm. gets uh, somewhat outperformed by Talia Tungavailoa. Who goes twenty six of thirty six for two ninety three and two touchdowns? A lot of that stuff was screens and the like. So they threw it to Henry four times. They uh, got some screens for Rock Jarrett and then Dante Demas uh, mosses one of their defensive backs for another big. Yeah, jump. they were playing pretty soft coverage all day. That sort of that sort of surprised me. Um, but uh, Maryland, man, you go back to that first quarter. They had drives stall at the Ohio State three and thirteen yard lines, and they kicked both. They kicked field goals in both instances. But you know, part of me was just like, "Come on, go!" You know, go for gold there and and, and go for it on fourth down. But in all those situations, Taulia would not throw the ball in the end zone. He kept throwing the ball like 
three yards into traffic, you know, eight yards shy of the end zone. It was just, it was just kind of uh, some funky red zone execution out of him. Otherwise he had his best day since before he was injured. Yeah. So, I mean, we're going into this game. We're playing an Ohio state team that uh, has shown that they are mortal in many ways. But the thing that just kind of gets to me is that I don't know if Michigan's going to get a, any pressure on C.J. Stroud. I guess it is somewhat reassuring that Maryland comes up with one sack in this game and doesn't really get near Stroud very often. Yeah. And his mm-hmm. his day here is like, uh, can we beat that? Uh, maybe, probably, yeah. kind of. Yeah, I mean, Harrison yeah. bailed him out on a couple of uh, those catches, too. Well, that's but, baked in, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> but, like, that's that's what's going to happen is that, like, yeah. their receivers. That's why you recruit. <laughs> well, and that's what happened last year's game, too. The reason they got 27 points instead of zero yeah. was their quarter their receivers were just bailing them out. Yeah. But that's yeah, going to abso- happen. Absolutely. You know, Maryland only ended up with one sack, but they, they, they flushed him out of the pocket a few times. They forced some, you know, three-yard scrambles on third and nine that, that were inconsequential. And – um, they tried to throw the ball on fourth and one in the fourth quarter, and Maryland did dial up some significant pressure on that and blew that blew that play up. That was the second time in the game that they tried to convert in a short situation by throwing the ball, and they weren't able to do it. That is a thing, man. Like the Urban Meyer Ohio State teams, if it's fourth and one, you're like, okay, they're converting this. And even if even if we stop them, they're converting this. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But like th- this team. It felt like the right call. Like, okay, you guys can't convert a fourth and one. You don't have that kind of offensive line. You don't kind of have. You don't have that running. Especially with Mayan Williams out, they just didn't have that running game, right? Mm-hmm. And right. I mean, that's it, it. We still kind of think in, in terms of like this being an Urban Meyer team, but they have been completely converted to a Ryan Day team, and that's not how they operate on fourth and one. Yeah, and. Um... You know, I don't really know what their strategy is going to be against Michigan. I kind of feel, you know, because it's the game that they're going to obviously have more of a kitchen sink mentality. You know, but yesterday, they their run rate on early downs was 64%, and their success rate on those runs was only was only 32%. And I mean, I, I'll take that next Saturday for sure. I mean, because, you know, Maryland had them in a lot of third and longs, and they converted some of them, but they couldn't convert a lot of them as well. And I'll take Michigan's. I'll take Michigan's talent in that situation over Maryland. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, what do you trust more? That the performance against Maryland is going to translate to a performance against to Michigan or Illinois? You know, is Ohio State going to repeat Illinois' defensive performance or is Michigan going to be able to repeat Maryland's defensive performance? I kind of think that, <laughs> you know, yeah. that, that if, if you're trying to extrapolate between these two, it's just if Michigan was a more complete team, if we didn't have certain, you know, spots where we're just like can't operate right now uh i would be pretty confident in this game the thing is michigan's got we'll get into the preview part this week but like we've got problems they've got a couple of problems Eastern, neither yeah. one of these are perfect teams right right you know that in 2006 they were both 11 and 0 and it just sort of felt like both teams were sort of like ideal but they're 11 and 0 this year and both teams sort of have a couple flaws but that's sort of also college football 2022 really i mean other yeah. than georgia yeah, you know every team has got some significant flaws, and even Georgia plays with their food so much that you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like this better than the ordained Alabama. Yeah, season. Oh yeah, it's much more interesting. Absolutely. All right, we are going to move on to the he can't keep getting away with it game of the week. <laughs> Iowa <Yeah>. thirteen, <laughs> Minnesota ten. Mo Ibrahim thirty nine carries. 
263 yards, and that only adds up to 10 points. Uh, Minnesota starting quarterback is out. Uh, his backup passes for seven. He's seven of 15 for 87 yards and a pick. So that's how that happened. Meanwhile, Iowa can't run the ball at all, but Spencer Petras does manage to throw a little bit, uh, mostly to his tight ends, who combine for 172 of his 221 passing yards. Yeah. Uh, and Iowa gets a clutch defensive play late in the game to put them ahead just yeah. like they do every week. Right. That's what I was going to say. Clutch defensive play or just typical defensive well, play? Well, <laughs> uh, if true or false, if I cut this segment and inserted an Iowa segment from any other Jamie segment this entire year, would people be able to tell the difference? Probably not. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Probably not. So Probably not. Yeah, you mentioned the tight ends. They had like a 50-yard chunk play on their first drive of the game to set up some points to Laporta, and then their game-winning points were set up by a 30-yard chunk play to uh, Luke Lachey, the other tight end. But this was just a missed opportunity by the Gophers. They held a 48 to 38% success rate edge, including 48 to 22% when rushing the football. They gained 68% of their available yards, and they averaged just a tick under 60 yards a drive. And like you mentioned, it only adds up to 10 points. How? Well, they had eight drives all day. Three drives gained 183 yards, almost half their yardage, and they came up with no points on all those drives. They had a 11-play 73-yard drive at the end of the first half that went from their own 11 to Iowa's 16, and they missed a 33-yard field goal at the buzzer, at the first half buzzer. Uh, They had a 16-play 88-yard drive that went from the Minnesota 3, and they would have had first and goal at the Iowa 9, but Ibrahim could not hold on to the ball as he was being tackled. He had a career game, but he had the critical error of the game as well. And then um, later on, not much yardage on a four-play 22-yard drive, but they're at the Iowa 30, and that's when the Jack Campbell interception happened. So they 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 were there. They were the better team, I thought. And, uh, yeah, it's like Scooby-Doo. Who is that behind the math man? Oh, it's Kirk Ferentz again. He's getting away with it again. So the over-under in this game was 31-and-a-half, which is the lowest Ooh. ever for an FBS game. And, still and the under way high. under cast by like two scores. <laughs> yeah, well, oh, well it depends just... on if you're measuring by safeties or field goals. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, uh, we'll, we will transfer away from the most enraging game of the week to the most hilarious game of the week. And Jamie might actually enjoy this one because it's Indiana 39, yes. Michigan State 31 in two overtimes. And you look at this box score and it's like, what on earth? Michigan State piles up 540 yards of offense to Indiana's 288. How on earth is God. this the score it is? I mean, Indiana won the game and they completed only two passes in a double overtime game. Two There's passes. Michigan they State had, has had one turnover, but that's it. And then they have, uh, was it like a 20-yard field goal to win the game that they miss? Missed. That's a Sparty no. Say it, yes! <laughs> that is Sparty no. There we go. <laughs> What's funny about that sequence is they had first and goal at the nine, you know, and I'm like, you know, Indiana only has like two timeouts. So I'm like, you know, they might want to let them score because they're not going to get the ball back. And on the third, third down play, like the three, Indiana had a TFL minus two yards and like, 
Tom Allen is cheering on the sidelines. I'm like, <laughs> fucking deal, dude. They're just going to make, make this field goal and walk off. You know, you should have just let them score. And I'm about ready to type up a tweet or something about that. And then the guy just shanked. Not only does he shank the 22-yard field goal, but if you look or look at a replay, it barely goes 22 yards. <laughs> uh, we're going to bounce around a little bit, but the first overtime segment, the teams exchanged block field goals. So <laughs> uh, it got even it got even weirder. Um but so it was 24 so seven. Deserved. So it was deserved. 20. Yeah, it was 24 seven half at halftime in favor of Michigan State. Indiana did that thing where nobody can grasp their pace for the first drive and they score an easy touchdown and then they can't do crap the rest of the first half. They had 18 total yards on their next five drives to close out the first half. So 24 seven halftime. By the time there's a minute and 50 to go in the third quarter, it's 31 24 Michigan State. So they've cut the lead down to seven. Indiana has the ball. And they've only run seven plays on offense. Their first play on the third quarter is a Sean Shivers 76-yard touchdown. Uh, eventually, Michigan State reestablishes a 17-point lead. But in maybe a little bit of a Sparty No moment, they give up a kickoff return for a touchdown. So it's back up, back down to 10. First play on Michigan State's next drive, Peyton Thorne throws an interception. Indiana can't do much with it, but they kick a field goal to get it to 31-24, and that, that's that's where we were. And Indiana had possession late in the third quarter. They ran the ball with uh, with Dexter Wilson and Shivers, and they picked up the game-tying touchdown. And Michigan State just had – it was like the whole second half was a return to the Sparty No because they had another opportunity in the fourth quarter at the Indiana 23-yard line. They went for it on fourth and two, fourth and two. Peyton Thorne throws the ball – 12 yards. He's back up 12 yards from where he got the ball. I, I mean, I don't even know what is going on in that play. Uh, so they they blew this game, and they're probably not going to go to a bowl game. Because they got to be Penn State to do so. Yeah, yes. but how many times is Michigan State? Like, they'll have like a snow game or something like that. Where I'm not ruling it out, but they yeah, I think Penn that. State's going to. I think Penn State's going to blow their doors off because they had a snow game last year in East Lansing, and Penn State lost mm-hmm. a close one. I think they're bitter about that, and I just don't think Michigan State has the talent to to stop what's coming. No, but it, it's like State all year. Like it was a running theme that like anytime they won a game, it, they'd like be on the top of. Um, the S and P plus, like, should you have lost this game, right? Like they, yeah, they yeah. constantly do it, and I think like this game completely reset them to zero. Like they, they made up like the three hundred yard difference in all the games that they'd won um, between them and the other teams, and they got it all back in here because there were the fourth downs and like all the all the moments that swing a game. It kind of went against them this time, and it was just so yeah. cathartic because that's yeah. how State's been winning. Last year, the year before, as long as <laughs> it, yeah. like this has been their program, they're just converting fourth and sixes with touchdowns, and yeah. all of a sudden, like it, it karma just comes crashing in, and it was so gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, it was an eight point margin, so I'm going to say it was a quote unquote one score game. But isn't this Tucker's first one score loss as the MSU head coach? I mean, wasn't that the thing? Like, all their losses have been blowouts? Oh, yeah. He's been blown today. out more than John L. Smith yeah. in his current tenure. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, all of all of their games that they lose are... Well, as a result, they've also, lost the, uh, they've also lost the Brass Spittoon. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that uh, trophy. It well, yeah. Doesn't so, happen- hey, look, I, I played the video game, so <laughs> I know all oh, the yeah, trophies that... Uh, yeah. Everyone it's, goes through and plays those once to get yeah. the to get all the trophies in your in your case. It doesn't 
Yeah, it doesn't have the greatest historical story. Like in 1950, Michigan State was a little bit jealous about something called the Little Brown Jug. So they wanted to start their own trophy game. So one of their managers went into an antique store, saw this spittoon. They asked a few teams, hey, who wants to play us for this spittoon? And Indiana was like, well, hey, nobody pays attention to us either, so we'll do it. <laughs> so since 1950, they've played for a brass spittoon. And I believe Mel Tucker, <laughs> yeah, I believe Mel Tucker is the first Michigan State coach to ever have a losing record you know, in the brass platoon era to Indiana. So there you go. All right. Uh, moving on to Wisconsin, 15, Nebraska, 14. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> Jesus. This so, is good. Like Seth said, the Iowa sections all sound the same. This is going to be the same Wisconsin, Graham Mertz, Mertz sucks I mean, section. Yeah. The win, the winning quarterback in this game throws for 83 yards. Yeah. And the losing quarterback throws for 106. So not exactly a, a pretty painting here. Nebraska held to 171 yards. Wisconsin manages to scrape over 300 themselves. Uh, I mean, Casey Thompson came back in this game, and so Nebraska had a little bit of a pulse, but their ground game got absolutely shut down. Yeah. Um, Wisconsin was trailing this whole game despite having a 60 to 41% success rate edge and despite gaining 63% of their available yards and averaging over 10 plays a drive. Just anytime they needed a play out of Graham Mertz, it just went, it just blew up in their, blew up in their face. He was, he was terrible. Nebraska's defense is 103rd in defensive EPA per pass. And, uh, Graham Mertz couldn't even come in the positive against this defense. He was terrible. How the hell do you get 15 points with one field goal? Uh, they kicked a field goal. They were down 14 to three. When they cut it, when they scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter to cut it to 14 9, they tried a two pointer and they missed. And then when they scored a touchdown to make it 15 14 oh. in the closing seconds, they tried another two pointer. I gotcha. Which, by the way, I, we when we're counting the stats in the Ohio State Maryland game, we didn't count the returned two-pointer oh yeah that was yeah. <laughs> like that that was like another 99 yards you could tack i, I was like it. defeat yeah. with dignity and then they almost won mm-hmm. but uh, i mean good for wisconsin they won the game they're bowl eligible they posted their job opening already which they which people are saying that that's a sign that they're going to give the job to jim leonard a week from today uh we'll see but i like everything i see about wisconsin but their quarterback is just he might. He's a bigger albatross around this program than Spencer Petras is uh, around Iowa, because the Hawkeyes at least win things and they and they and they accomplish things. Graham Mertz is now four and eleven against Power Five opponents that eventually go to a bowl game that season. Petras is a much better quarterback than Graham Mertz. I don't think that's at all in question. Mertz misses his guys by like fifteen yards when they're wide open. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm with you 100. We just we just compare both these programs a lot, and they they both have terrible quarterbacking. So that's I, I, I that's almost like a instinctual reflex to kind of compare Iowa and, and Wisconsin. But um, I mean, yeah, they're, and they're probably going. I think they're going to lose to Minnesota, so that they'll fall to four and twelve. I think in that uh, in that market, you know, two of the wins have come against Purdue, which we've detailed in past podcasts. is just a is just a program versus program matchup nightmare for the Boilermakers. They're just not beating anybody of consequence here in the Graham Mertz era. And is he going to be their quarterback for the next two years? But they've got to, they've got to recruit over him now, they right? Gotta, they got to hit the portal here. Yeah. Speaking well, of the I mean, portal, there's talk of Braylon Allen coming to Michigan, which like if a Wisconsin he running back specifically leaves, shot that down. Well, yeah, well, that's what you do. He, he yeah. went on 
record in a press conference that there was nothing to that. So yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Gonna... I, I'm just saying, like, that is something you'd never imagine in a million years of, well. Wisconsin, of Wisconsin starting running back being involved in a transfer rumor. It's just, I'm just was, saying it from a state of a program perspective. That it's, well, if it's not yeah. true, then it's not true. Like, I'm yeah, not going yeah. yeah, to start dumping on Wisconsin's program because Chris Bayless said something on a message board that turned out to be bupkis. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Purdue 17, Northwestern 9. They start their fourth different quarterback of the season. That goes about as well as it always does. Neither team gets to 300 yards in this one. It is an ugly ugly affair uh i don't even know if i want to talk about this game no i mean the only thing i have to say about this game is is northwestern the best worst worst weather football team i mean the ohio state penn state and purdue games are really played in poor weather and northwestern hung in those games because the other team couldn't do anything Mm. against the weather (laughs) when i think of the 2022 northwestern wildcats i'll just think of those three those three games (laughs) I mean, yeah, unless it's Northwestern, another bad year. We've talked about it. It's another bad year for him. Unless Northwestern beats Illinois, like there's no reason to care about them anymore. Like, yeah, probably not. Yeah. All right. Uh, final game of the week is Penn State 55, Rutgers 10. Gavin Wimsett completes 10 of 29 passes for 122 yards. I continue to not see it at all with him. Just a complete and total blowout. Totally. Yeah. Um, Penn State's outscored their last three opponents 130 to 24. I'll reiterate. I think they're going to beat Penn. They're going to beat Michigan State by at least three touchdowns this weekend. Ten and two. I think that's probably a New Year's Six bowl berth, probably for Penn State. Not, not bad considering they've been a 500 team the previous two seasons. So you they know. should be the one stumping for two Big Ten teams in the playoff. Like James Franklin should get all of his media oh, savvy yeah. out there and be like, "Those two teams are the best teams I've ever faced." Those they belong in the playoffs together. I think that it should be guaranteed for them because, like, you sent two Big Ten teams. He gets to go to the Rose Bowl, and that is one heck of a season for him. Provided he beats Michigan yeah. State at the end, but I mean, Franklin, if he's up for anything, it should be that. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, but uh, I think that would be. I think that would be a good Rose Bowl. You know, Penn State versus like Oregon or USC or something like that. I mean, if they fun. can keep those running backs on campus, which has been a problem for them, mm-hmm. like Noah Kane playing at LSU instead of Penn State, yeah. and got to break in Drew Aller next season and see how that goes. The the comments on Penn State, uh, like on their quarterbacks, is still blowing me away. Like, oh yeah, it, the, but they both played again in this game. That's Henson syndrome. Yeah, it's but, just. I mean, look at. I mean, you watch Drew Aller play, and you're like. Why would anyone think this guy's better than their starter? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, their problem is that that left tackle of theirs shots up NFL draft boards so fast that he might be like a one and done in terms of like, I'm here and now I'm gone. I, well, yeah. Which is like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's they're a super, a yeah, they're a super athletic pants. team, but they're not very deep in the trenches on both sides of the ball. So, yeah. you know, if that if that tackle turns pro and you – you know, Mustafer is probably not going to. He's he's done. He's finally going to be done with some eligibility on the defensive line. So they they have to, I think, refill some holes on both lines of the scrimmage. Probably. Yeah. But, but otherwise, they're they're typical Penn State athletes all all across the board. All right. Last thing, your vibe headed into the game, Jamie. Huh. Well, we spoke about it earlier. How both these teams kind of have all these weaknesses. I mean, we could pick apart Ohio State, but. I'm worried about Michigan without Blake Corum, and I'm sure everybody everybody else is as well. To me, I think the key is going to be just making Ohio State drive the field. Don't set them up 
on short fields. You know, we've talked about it a couple different times on the podcast. Um, but these last five weeks, you know, their touchdown rate, if you throw out the Indiana game, those four games that you brought up, Brian, their touchdown rate is only 24.3%. And that's, I mean, if, if they're only scoring touchdowns on 25% of their drives that start in their own territory against Michigan, and Michigan doesn't give them any turnovers and set them up in plus territory, I think Michigan's got a, got a shot in the end. But, you know, we'll see. I saw the line before this week's game was seven and a half. But I don't know if we're going to see a line in this game posted all week with, with the quorum injury. I don't know what's going to happen there. I mean, I'm kind of expecting quorum to play. Like, if he came back. If he was able to come back in the Illinois game. Yeah. Even briefly, he will be turned into a. I think that's going to impact the, the point spread, though, right? Like, just his I mean, his, there's his a lot uncertainty. Of, there's a lot of uncertainty with their running backs as well. So it's, it's a true. thing where, uh, yeah, I mean, I uh, – I'll be interested to see. I don't think Blake Corum hypothetically being injured is going to be enough for books not to put up a line in like the biggest game of the year. Yeah. Well, like, if I no, was, just, if I'm I was making that, that line, it might be, more, might be one of those situations where you don't see a line for these next couple days. <laughs> I'd be you know? more concerned about Mike Morris than Blake Corum, honestly, in, like in the way that this game is going. I mean, he, Corum, he dressed and he warmed up. So if he's dressing and warming up against Illinois, he will Yeah, play. but if he's not himself. I thought the sense was that Morris would have played yesterday. It's not a question of whether he can play. It's a question of whether he's himself because they need. Well, if he's Mike Morris, if he's, if, well, if I, asked, I think that's going to be got another week. I think yeah. that's probably yeah. a pretty good bet. But I think that's going to be another key too. Is is I think both defensive lines have got a lot of star power, budding star power, young star power that's coming to the forefront. Whichever one of those defensive lines can take over enough drives, you know, I think is is going to do it. You know, we've seen but Tuyalamolo and. Harrison and Hall and even Sawyer getting in some action for Ohio State. And, you know, Michigan's had some freshman defensive tackles emerge these last couple of weeks. We just talked about Mike Morris. I think the, I, best, I, def- Chris I think the yeah. best defensive line wins this game on Saturday. I think Chris Jenkins is going to have his best game of his career so far. That's my, that's me calling my shot. All right. There you go. All right. Thank you, Jamie. We'll talk to you next week or maybe not. Hey, thanks, guys. Have a happy Thanksgiving and go blue. Yep, go blue. Thank you for listening to MGO Podcast. I'm Seth Fisher, along with Brian Cook and David Nasternak. We're going to play in the playoffs this year. Uh, I guarantee it. We're going to beat Ohio State. We're going to be in the playoffs on January 1st. Who's got it better than us? <laughs>